0: The snow and freezing temperatures at the moment aren't helping, follows severe flooding and one of the wettest summers on record last year. Tabby Beasley farms at Hanslope and says nobody wants their livelihood to be put under threat.
1: It's a very difficult
0: time. We're
1: quite fortunate we haven't got any debt, but if you're renting land... You can be losing uh, an awful lot of money if you haven't got your lambs or if the lambs are dying, you're going to be losing an awful lot of money that you were sort of relying on. If lambing is a big part of your business, if the lambs are dying, they're not going to get any income from it. So it's, it's another hit on farming.
0: A 14-year-old girl has been found dead at a house in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Officers discovered the body after responding to a report of a number of dogs being out of control. Four animals were destroyed by armed police and an investigation's now been launched. Locally, protests are due to be held at train stations in Bedford, Hitchin and Stevenage today. It's against cuts to the railways. The demonstrations across the country come on the 50th anniversary of the Beeching Rail Report, which brought in a reduction on the rail network. Well, Matt Dykes is from TUC Action for Rail.
2: We're going to be meeting and greeting passengers, giving them postcards that they, they can send to their MPs, saying that they they want to see staff on their trains, they want to see staff in their ticket offices and at their stations, and they don't want to see cutbacks to the, the staff who are doing critical safety work on maintenance
3: and signalling.
0: A senior figure at a health regulator has accused it of ignoring concerns about some hospitals. Kay Sheldon, who's a non-executive director of the Care Quality Commission, says it passed a number of hospitals as safe, even though its own inspectors found serious problems. At one NHS trust, Morecambe Bay in Cumbria, they found evidence of poor care standards at the maternity unit. Sport now in England drew one all in their World Cup qualifier in Montenegro last night. Wayne Rooney's first half-header gave England the lead, but the home side levelled just 13 minutes from time weather then now mostly dry today another very cold one though with a biting breeze temperatures reaching three degrees celsius there's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties bbc three counties radio first for news <coughs>
4: This is Ian Lee BBC 3 Counties Radio. I'm I'm really bored of the cold now. I'm bored. It's horrible. It's the icy wind, the arctic chills. Can we stop it? There must be there must be something we can do. It's 2013 for goodness sakes. We're living in the future. Oh dear. Anyway, lots to keep you uh, occupied this morning. While well, uh, you snuggle up in bed, including big changes to housing benefit come into effect next week. We hear from the three counties' residents who fear they could be made homeless because of the so called bedroom tax. Oh man, and as I said, it's so cold. I'm bored of this weather. Well, farmers have told this programme they're dealing with the worst conditions in 30 years. We'll be hearing their stories later on. I'm keen to know have you got much sympathy for the farmers, or do you think they should just get on with it? And the story that's on the front page of most of the newspapers this morning: a 14-year-old girl has been found dead at a house where a number of dogs were out of control. She'd been visiting friends. How much do you trust your dogs with other people? It's that old joke, isn't it? Does that do- does that dog does your dog bite? No, gets bitten. I thought you said it didn't bite. Well, that's not my dog. Do you trust your dogs with other people? Lots of ways to get in touch: facebook.com forward slash bbc three cr. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. And I put my cards on the table. I know very little about dogs. As as you know, I'm a cat person. I know very little about dogs. So This this isn't going to be a, hey, let's go and shoot all dogs, kind of witch hunt for me. I'm keen to be told. I'm in receptive mood this morning, so make the most of it. We'll talk about dogs a bit later on. Now, though, people in the three counties fear they could end up homeless as a result of changes to housing benefit, which helps those on a low income to pay all or part of their rent. According to the National Housing Federation, almost 2,000 people will be affected in central Bedfordshire, around 1,700 in Milton Keynes and just under 1,500 in Luton. Under the bedroom tax, as critics have described it, families of working age who under-occupy their property will have their housing benefit cut by 14% for one spare room. It'll be cut by 25% for two or more spare rooms. Sue Smith is the chair of the Bean Hill Residents Association in Milton Keynes. She spoke to our reporter, Tony Fisher, at a meeting for residents to discuss the
5: benefit changes. There are people here in this meeting who told me they're going to end up homeless. They
6: are. Um, if they're not going to pay their council tax, or what, because they can't, then they are going to end up homeless. There's, at the moment, there's on average about 12 houses being reclaimed every week at the courts.
5: Because people are going to have to pay a minimum 20% or whatever of their council tax, and you know if they're under-occupying 14% or 25% reduction in their housing benefit, that's an extra whatever £35, £40 pounds a week that they're going to have to pay.
6: That's right. People are really struggling now to, to find £35 extra a week. That's near £140, £150 pound a month. That's a lot of money to find.
5: Are you getting a lot of people coming to you saying similar things like that?
6: Definitely, as a resident association um, chair and also as a parish councillor, we're you know we're trying to put into wheels in motion that's going to help these people, and to be quite honest, we don't know how to help them yet because they haven't finished the changes.
5: I mm. so I think when the changes actually come into force next month, May, April, May time, we're going to see a lot of. Difficult situations with people, aren't
6: we? Yeah, we are. It's going to get really bad out there. It's a vicious circle. I know there's no jobs out there for people to go and get, and yet they're saying you need to go out and get a job.
5: That's our reporter
4: Tony Fisher speaking to the chair of the Bean Hill Residents Association. Well, listening to that is Kathleen Oates from Bean Hill in Milton Keynes. Morning, Kathleen. Morning. You're one of those worried that you might end up homeless, aren't you? I am. Tell, tell me your situation. What, what what could possibly happen when these these benefit changes come into place?
7: Right. Uh I'm a tenant for Jefferson's Housing Association. Um my housing benefit is being reduced by fourteen percent, which means as from the first of April I need to pay fourteen pounds every week towards my housing benefit. Um because I'm in receipt of job seekers allowance I have to pay fortnightly, so that would be twenty eight pounds just for my rent alone. And I have to start paying my council tax, which is £15, which starts also on the 1st of April.
4: Is that £15 a week?
7: No, it's £15 every month.
4: £15 every month, Okay. Um, Well, how are you going to get the money?
7: Um, I'm going to literally have to sacrifice my food shopping um, because I won't have enough money to buy food once I pay my rent and council tax. Describe
4: your situation, Kathleen. How big is your house and and who do you live with?
7: I live by myself. I have a two-bedroom house.
4: And do you think that this change in the benefits is fair?
7: It's absolutely disgusting. Why? It's not fair at all. Um, I'm one of the thousands of people who pay my national insurance... Um, so I actually pay something into the system for problems arise when, obviously, I don't have a job. So I feel like I'm being penalised because, I obviously, I don't have a job. And the attitude of the Prime Minister and all his councillors and people who work in the council are it's easier to claim benefit than get a job. I'm sorry, but I don't agree with that.
8: You've
4: been trying to get a job, haven't you?
7: I've been in a job club for the last uh, two years. Um, I attend weekly uh, job club which is um, called ACAS. Um, I apply for anything between 10 to 15 jobs and I don't get no replies or any, not even my foot in the door.
4: What would you resort to to, to make ends meet?
7: Um, I really wouldn't like to say. (laughs) Why? Um, because it's going to be something that I'm against. Um, probably becoming an escort or some other immoral.
4: Really? You'd go go that far? You'd you'd, you'd sacrifice your food and you'd, you'd possibly consider turning to prostitution to pay?
7: Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Or um, I'd go to a loan shark to get um, a loan to, basically, to keep me above water. Well, Katha-
4: yeah, l- so. that's that. listen, don't, don't do that, because that's only going to end in, that's going to make things worse, going to a loan shark. Do you understand why the government are doing this? That there are families who, you know, families of, of two, three, four people who are stuck in one-bedroom places, and perhaps they need that extra room more than you do.
7: Um, yes, I, I am fully aware of that, um, but it's not really. That's not what I'm. I'm listening to Elsie, as I turn on the radio, turn on the telly, every magazine, newspaper I read. Um, it's the fact that David Cameron has let in too many immigrants. Um, as it's stated on our Facebook page, that an average pensioner receives six thousand in pension. Per year, an uh, asylum seeker received
4: £29,925 per year. OK, Kathleen, so we will end it there, because I, I, I do worry we're going off on a slight tangent. But thank you very much. It's Kathleen Oates from Bean Hill saying that uh, in order to pay the extra money she'll have to pay due to reductions in council tax benefits and um, the uh, cut in her benefits due to the, in inverted commas, bedroom tax, she'll cut down on her food, might go to a loan shock, and might resort... To prostitution 08459 455 555 is the phone number what do you think have you got sympathy for someone someone like kathleen who's uh who's obviously desperate or are you one of those families living in a one-bedroom property two-bedroom property and you think well there's an extra bedroom there we could do with that 08459 455 555 Three Counties Radio Talking about farmers in a bit So, It's the worst weather they've had in about 30 years Lots of footage on the news Last night of the sheep Stuck in snow People celebrating as they rescued a lamb Well, you think it well. It's going to be killed at some point I don't know why Have you got any sympathy for the farmers? Or do you think, come on guys It's England, it's Britain This is kind of the weather we have to put up with 08459 455 Five, double five. We'll be speaking to some farmers very shortly on this show and finding out exactly how bad this uh, ongoing... Well, I say winter, it's spring now. How bad this weather is for the farmers. Oh, 08459 five, 455 double 555. Double
9: travel News Now, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: No major problems to update you with at the moment. All seems to be moving nicely out there, particularly on the motorways. M1 looking good, as is the M40 and the M25 at the moment. Usual delays not causing too much problem, moving nicely actually on the A41 around Buckingham and also the A405, that's the North Orbital Road, looking fairly good on the sensors. Just looking at the trains and uh, they're all looking good as well actually. No problems on the departure boards this morning just yet. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you, Sophie. Morning, it's 6.16. It's Wednesday the 27th of March. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People in the Three Counties fear they could end up homeless as a result of changes to housing benefit. Protests are due to be held today at train stations in Bedford, Hitchin and Stevenage against cuts to the railways. In sport, England drew one all in their World Cup qualifier in Montenegro last night. The weather today for beds, and bucks, mostly dry with some sunny periods at time. But it's going to be another cold day with a biting breeze. Maximum temperature is three degrees. Coming up, farmers have told this programme they're dealing with the worst conditions in 30 years. We'll hear more from them before 6.30.
11: BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: On April the 1st, the welfare system undergoes its biggest change for 60 years. We're determined to reform welfare so that work always pays. There'll be new benefits, changes to existing ones and more responsibility for local government. They're not being guinea pigs, they're actually getting very, very close support and advice and actually
2: I think this will be a tremendous success story. This week we'll be finding out what these radical changes really mean to beds, hearts and bucks. We're going
12: to
13: be £908 worth off.
2: As
12: usual, It just feels like we're wading through mud with this one.
13: Now that I'm on benefits, I'm actually better
12: off. Benefit changes
2: making it clear this week on BBC. See 3 Counties Radio. You
8: hold your truth so purely, swerve not through their minds of of yours tastes holy But a brush with the devil can clear your mind And strengthen your spine and fingers tap into what you were once And I'm worried that I blew my only chance Whispers in
14: the dark, steal a kiss, you'll break apart. Pick up your clothes and...
8: worry that I blew
4: Confident sons, whispers in in the dark. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, farmers in beds, hearts and bucks have exclusively told this programme they're dealing with the worst weather conditions they've seen in the last 30 years. The snow and the freezing temperatures couldn't have come at a worse time following one of the wettest summers on record and severe flooding. Well, our reporter Ewan Duncan has been to a farm at Hanslope near Milton Keynes to find out how sheep farmers are coping.
1: I'm Tabby Beasley. We're farming at Manor Farm at Hanslope. Just picked up these two lambs. The mother's had four lambs, so she's not going to be able to cope with all four of them. So we're going to take these two in. They're very cold. They're not going to survive out tonight. So what we'll do is we'll bring them into the house, bring them into the kitchen, and I'll get them wrapped in a towel with a hot water bottle and we'll try and tube feed them if they're too weak which looks quite possible we'll put a tube directly into their stomach and give them some warm milk directly into their stomach and that should keep them going they'll take about an hour and a half to warm up by my lovely rayburn and hopefully within the next sort of 24 hours we'll be able to put them in a pen in a warmer part of the barn how often
15: have you had to do this
1: um this year we've done it three four times um but every year we get a couple you know for some reason or another but this year We've only just started damming and I've already done it four times. So it looks like we're going to have a bad year and a very messy kitchen.
15: What's the scale of the problems for farmers at the moment?
1: Well, having just got over the fact that we've been very badly flooded and the arable side of things is having a difficult time getting crops in the ground. We've then had the Schmellenberg virus in the cattle and the early lambing. We seem to have just got over that now. And now we're dealing with this, with the bad weather and the lambs just aren't surviving. We're not as bad here as in some parts of the country where they're having to actually dig the ewes and the lambs out from snow. But lambs are definitely going to be a smaller number of lambs available this year than we've had in previous years.
16: How much impact is the virus having?
1: The virus has had a very big impact if you were lambing or calving earlier. It's the Smellenberg virus is, is passed by midges. So if you were getting your cattle in calf and you're using lamb earlier in the year, the midges were biting them and passing on this virus. And a lot of people have lost up to half of their cattle their calves, half of their lambs, to the virus, if you were lambing early.
15: And the lambs you've got here, you're having to bottle feed?
1: I am having to bottle feed them, yes. So um, we've got lamb replacement colostrum, we've got uh, milk powder for them, we've got some, um, the lamb version of, of leucozade, if they get very dehydrated, um, and all of that will take up an awful lot of time, because it's like having a newborn baby. You know, they, they take up all your time and effort. You've got to keep them constantly under supervision, keep them warm keep them fed.
16: How long will they stay inside?
1: Two or three days at the most in here and then um, I've got another barn that is is more secluded and we'll bank up some straw bales for them to sit behind but then we'll still have to go out and feed them until they're full grown enough to have um, some grass.
14: How
15: difficult is it at the present time for farmers?
1: It's a very difficult time. Um, we're quite fortunate we haven't got any debt but if you're renting land you, you can be losing uh, an awful lot of money if you haven't got your lambs, or if the lambs are dying, you're going to be losing an awful lot of money.
4: Well, that's our reporter, Ewan Duncan, um, at a farm in Hanslow. We can speak now to Buckinghamshire farmer Susan Aston of Wooden Underwood, who's a member of the National Farmers Union Livestock Committee. Morning, Susan. Good morning. Susan, how much of an impact would you say the weather is having on farmers?
17: Oh, a huge impact. It- Um, You know, a lot of arable crops haven't been planted, a lot of people are struggling to get them in the ground. Um, The cold is the real significant thing at the moment because crops and grass doesn't start growing until the soil temperature is over 5 degrees and it's not that at the moment. And we see no sign, of, particularly in the next week, of the weather changing.
4: Do farmers have contingency plans for, for bad weather?
17: Uh, you can't have a contingency plan for something that's looked upon as an act of God really. Um, we have no control over the weather, that's the biggest problem and farmers, their income isn't being affected right now this minute but the, with the lambing, the carving, and the lack of crops in the ground to be harvested this summer, it's the income in six to nine months time through to this time next year that's when it's going to show, particularly.
4: How is this this going to affect people buying food? Are are, are prices going to go up?
17: Yeah, because um, there is a lot of wheat crop not planted, um, inevitably it will affect the price of wheat worldwide, and, um, you know, the price of staples like bread and things will go up. And also because those sort of... um, those crops make up animal feed as well and the animals have to be fed so the price of that will have to go up
4: We heard mention there of this Schmallenberg virus What what is
14: that?
17: It's a virus that's transmitted by um, midges in the summer and um, the the real crux of the thing is if your cattle or sheep got infected at a particular stage in early pregnancy it causes the fetuses and then, therefore the lambs and the calves to be born deformed and we didn't think it was going to be too much of a problem in the cattle but in the last two weeks having spoken to my local vets they're seeing signs of it now in the spring calving suckler herds and things and you know they're having to cut calves out of cows because they they're so badly deformed they can't be born naturally and um... The true cost of that won't be known till after the calving and lambing season's finished, really.
4: And what are farmers saying, Susan? Are there some of them that might be forced out of business because of the weather and this virus?
17: I'm sure, you know, people will take the long-term view... Um, in the next six to nine months, whether they can afford to carry on, whether they're, you know, how badly their business has been affected. The only thing on the Schmallenberg virus front is that there will be a vaccine available that we can use on our animals for this next um, year before we put the animals in calf or in that.
4: In terms of the weather, we're hearing this could go on actually for quite a while. Uh, How does that make you feel? (laughs)
17: quite depressed about it really i mean this time of year you usually look forward to lambing and calving because it usually means that spring's on the way and when you look out in the fields there's no grass um it's not growing because the temperature's so low you're having to supplementary feed animals out in the field and because it's so wet um you're you know you look at a field of ewes and lambs and they're disappearing under a sea of mud and a lot of people say, oh, "Why don't you bring your animals inside?" Well, when you start lambing and carving, you um, you know, you you increase your animal numbers hugely, and a lot of people have space to keep their main adult flocks and herds inside. But when they start lambing and carving, they just haven't got the space under cover to keep those animals in long term, and also you get the risk of disease. Um, keeping anim- you know young animals in long term, um, they're much healthier
4: if you can turn them out. Susan, I appreciate your time. Thank you. That's uh, Buckinghamshire farmer Susan Aston, who is a member of the National Farmers Union Livestock Committee. We've well, heard a farmer's side of the story, and it, it's it's been on all the news. I was watching the news last night, and all this footage of lambs and sheep's being, sheep's <laughs> lambs and sheep being rescued and, and dug out of snow. And you you heard there that they're struggling to grow any crops, or well, they can't. Well, have, have you got any sympathy for the farmers? 08459 455 555. Or, uh, do you just think, oh dear, come on farmers, we, we, we seem to hear this every year from you. There's always some excuse. What do you think? i be keen to hear from either side if you, if you work in the farming industry or if uh, you just think, oh for goodness sakes, stop whinging. 08459 455 555. Here's the travel news now, Sophie Tyler.
9: and Bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: Well, still no major problems out there at the moment. Looking good on the motorways and the usual trouble areas, not causing uh, massive problems at the moment. Looking good on the A41 and the A414 at the Park Street roundabout. Uh, everything else looking fairly good on the roads as well. Cameras not showing up, any major problems, and the sensors looking like things are moving fairly well. And the departure boards are moving nicely on the trains, so no problems to update you with there. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Sophie, thank you very much. 6.30, time for the news and sport now. Here's Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
10: This
0: is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, people. In the three counties fear they may end up homeless because of changes to housing benefit. In other news, protests are due to be held at train stations in Bedford, Hitchin and Stevenage today against cuts to the railways. And a 14-year-old girl's been found dead at a house in Atherton in Greater Manchester. That's the news. Now let's get up to date with the sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks
9: Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Football then, in England remained second in Group H after drawing their World Cup qualifier 1 all with leaders Montenegro. Wayne Rooney's first half header had given England the lead, but the host then levelled just 13 minutes from time. England manager Roy Hodgson accepts Montenegro's second half performance. Probably warranted a point.
13: They'd have
5: a very good period, you had know, four or five quarters and the quarters are very well struck and you know we were having to work hard to get them away. When you're in that type of situation, of course you could always see a goal coming. But having said that I don't think we can really complain too much about the level of defending that the players did. I thought they worked very hard to keep them away. Had we had that little bit more fortune we would have won the game as it is we've gone away with a point.
0: Taking a look at other international games then and Watford striker Matej Vidra scored twice for the Czech Republic in their 3-0 victory in Armenia. Wales are now fourth in Group A after losing 2-1 to Croatia and Scotland's awful campaign also continued as they were beaten 2-0 in Serbia. Locally then, Luton Town's conference match against Ebb's fleet was postponed last night, but Hertfordshire side Bedford Bishop Stortford played. They beat Wokington 2-3 in the Conference North. In the Southern League Premier Division, Arsie and Bedfordshire overcame Redditch 3-0 and Hemel Hempstead bagged three points against Bashley as they won 4-2. Finally, in tennis, Andy Murray through to the quarterfinals of the Miami Masters. That's after beating Andrea Seppi 6-2, 6-4 in the fourth round. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at 7. Across beds, hearts and barks, this is Ian
11: Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Morning. Coming up between now and seven o'clock, we'll be talking about this this terrible story that's on the front page of most of the newspapers of a young girl mauled to death by dogs. And I'm not coming at it from the attitude of, hey, let's shoot all these dogs. I don't know the answer. I don't know anything about dogs. I'm keen to get your thoughts on it. And also more on farmers. If you want to have your say, facebook.com forward slash BBC Three cr we can give me a call. Look, all of the phone lines are free. Now's an excellent time to give me a call. 08459 455 555. Now, the story that uh, you're probably waking up to is that for- a 14-year-old girl has been found dead at a house in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Officers discovered the body when they responded to a report of a number of dogs being out of control. Four animals were destroyed by armed police and an investigation has been launched. The teenager had been visiting a friend. Well, I'm asking this morning, what extent do you trust your dogs with other people you always give oh no he wouldn't ah wouldn't let anybody but you don't I I guess you just don't know with dogs well our dog loving correspondent Justin Dealey is out in Luton this
15: morning morning Justin yes hello it's uh, a freezing cold at Stockwood Park in Luton this morning dog walkers they start arriving here from around 6am onwards and I've been asking them this morning whether they would trust their dog with other people and this is what they've had to say
18: Joe, you've got three
15: lovely dogs here this morning. Tell us more about your dogs.
18: Um, They're lovely rescue dogs, and I put lots of time in with them. And they're out here for a walk every day, regardless of the weather. We're up here 360 days a year. Really?
15: And it's very, very cold this morning. So the big question this morning, would you trust your dogs with somebody
18: else? Yes, um, some people. I wouldn't trust them with somebody who didn't know anything about dogs, because they are big dogs and they are purebreds. But even in your home,
15: if somebody came to your home, would you not let your dogs out of your sight just to be on the safe side?
18: Yes, my dogs would be in the kitchen. I don't let my dogs out around the house with people that, that don't know them, and they don't know them.
15: I mean, what would you say to anybody who says, look, I've had a dog for, for ten years, he's absolutely lovely, of course he'll be fine with somebody else. Are they living in a fantasy world, those people?
18: Some dogs. You've really got to know your dog, whether he would cope with strangers or not. My 12-year-old dog wouldn't cope with a stranger. Hmm. He would have to be with somebody that he knew. I wouldn't leave him with a total stranger or, or um, just let someone come into my house and just open the door and let them in.
15: And this Dalmatian no here. What's his name? Cooper. Cooper, you just tried to eat my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your time.
18: OK, thank you.
15: So, your dog's here with you this morning. Tell us about uh, your dog. How old is he and, and what sort of breed is he? He's a gun dog, a pure Labrador. He's about just, just over two years old. And would you trust him with other people? Uh, I'd say 99% yes. There's also always a possibility something may go wrong, but generally I would. But again, if somebody came to your house, would you always be keeping a, a very close eye on things, just in case you took a, a dislike to that person? Yeah, I also,
2: um obviously introduce them first. Um, I always get him to sit before I let them in, and then I'm, I'm always there. And there's always generally someone in the room. But that's just the way it is. Not because um, I don't trust him. But then, when he gets to know them, he's generally.
15: You can tell when if there's normally something he's not sure about. If he's not sure, then I would definitely
19: keep an eye on him. But if he's okay. Then I, I'd yeah I would trust him.
4: I'm. Lo- I don't know a lot about dogs, Justin. I'm a mm. cat person. I've said before. I'm looking at these dogs that, that are responsible for for the, uh, the this young girl being uh, being killed. Uh, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier and Bull Mastiff. Yep. They're ugly dogs. They're ugly. Why would you? There were four or five of these dogs in this house. Why would you have such ugly animals in I your house?
15: I mean, some people, of course, they want that type of breed because it looks quite fearsome. That's saying. You often see a certain type of person. I'm stereotyping there that, that may go out and buy that dog. In saying that, I've seen Rottweiler owners who, who look perfectly normal, if you like. But, I have <laughs> I, I
4: haven't. It's because, I'll say it, it's because they got a small... D- a <laughs> d- d- small winky. That's <laughs> what
15: it is. It's a winky extension. I, I, I mean, often this conversation comes up with children. And a lot of people, again, would say, well, my dog's absolutely fine. Enough, had for years oh he's got such a, a lovely nature he would never do anything but at the end of the day you're dealing with an animal and if I had a dog I certainly a bit like that man there will be introducing him to people because your dog may take a dislike to somebody for whatever reason they may take a dislike to them and they could attack them so a lot of people you know responsible dog owners certainly would take precautions I'm sure before introducing them and leaving them with somebody that that dog doesn't know listen
4: I've got I've got a cat right and my cat is is timid and, and stuff like that but I still if, if I've got kids round or babies mm-hmm. round I still keep an eye on her because you just you just don't know that animal instinct is in there to protect yourself you just, you just don't know what they're going to do so to have four or five of these and these are horrible what, if someone owns a Staffordshire bull terrier or a bull mastiff can you give me a call now and tell me why on earth you would own such an a horrible-looking dog. What, what, ple- what pleasure does it bring you?
15: Don't sit on the fence. I've got to try and find somebody this morning in Lucent who owns one of those dogs, and we'll put that direct question to them. Not quite in that wording in, but uh, I certainly uh, put well, a question yeah, to them. If yes. the dog was here, I wouldn't. 08459 <laughs> 455 555. Where are you off to next, Justin? Going off to uh, Bedford. A couple of stories this morning. Uh, two neighbourhoods in the three counties have been highlighted in this new study looking at the greatest wealth gap. I'm off to uh, Tideman Close in Bedford, and then after 8 o'clock this morning, off to Milton Keynes. Uh, the college there has become the first in Bed salts and Bucks to open a shop run by the recruitment Ooh. agency, Reed. So, two okay, so exactly. quite interesting stories on the way after seven. Now, Justin, you, you do a little show at the weekends, apparently. Little show, yes, w- yes. W- w- what time is it on? Uh, it's on between uh, 9 and 12 on Saturday morning. It's a music show, and uh, I was going to say, the other week you said, could we get Dennis the Courier from Doctor Hook on your programme? Yes, program? yes. Um, he's on my show this weekend. I'm looking forward what? to it. Is he? Yes.
8: What? How did, but Dennis <laughs> is a
15: friend of mine, the voice of Dr. Hook. Hey, when you're in love with a beautiful woman.
4: When mind. I mentioned you, he went Ian who? Well, oh, 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 well, Justin, yes. I'm, I'm trying to pr- promote your show, so I'm going <laughs> to ignore the saying. slides. Oh, I like Dennis. He's br- oh, well, that's well worth a <laughs> listen. Yeah, Great guy. Listen, let's, let, why don't you show the listener what you can do? The next song, Sweets for My Sweet, The Searchers. Do you want to cue it up? Yeah, h- how
15: many seconds have we got before the uh, before the vocal? It, go- it goes straight in, according to this. Straight in, okay. Uh, here's The Searchers from 1963, I believe. Uh, Sweets for My Sweet, on oh, BBC Three Couses Radio. sweet for my sweet sugar for my
8: honey. Your first week is thrilled me so. sweet for my sweet sugar for my.
4: Got Dennis Licorier from Doctor Hook on on his show on Saturday. That's well worth a listen. <clears throat> Excuse me, I love Dennis. Dennis is fantastic. He's got such a good voice, and you think of all the, the hits he had with, with Doctor Hook: uh, "When You're in Love with a Beautiful Woman," "Sylvia's Mother," "The Ballad of Lucy Jordan." All these wonderful songs. But he's also. Done a, a few cracking solo albums as well. His last album, I think, post Cool, is a wonderful record, completely overlooked, and it's a shame because he's he's superb. Well, he'll be on with uh, with Justin this weekend between nine and twelve. I shall definitely be listening on Saturday. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Someone posted on Facebook. I'm listening to Ian's show from Australia. He is okay. He is okay. Uh, we're talking about dogs, and I, I, pfft, I don't know a lot about dogs. It's after this, uh, this, this, this poor girl, uh, Jade uh, Lomas Anderson, was, uh, was killed by four dogs. And I'm looking at these dogs, Staffordshire Bull Terriers and Bull Mastiffs. They're flipping ugly things. Why would you have... A pet is supposed to bring you pleasure. Where's the pleasure in those things? They're horrible. Well, Darren's on his way to Hatfield. Morning, Darren. Morning, am Do you own these dogs? We have two.
14: W- what, which ones have you got? Terriers. Why? It's it's really funny because I always used to be frightened of dogs. Absolutely petrified of them. And we brought one 11 years ago. He is properly trained and everything. And because, and they are just lovely dogs. They are so loving dogs. Now my late mother, she was in um, she had a stroke and she was in a wheelchair. And do you know that my 11-year-old dog, when she, um, we first had him as a puppy, he always used to sit underneath
4: her wheelchair. Darren, is your mouth anywhere near your phone? Because you keep fading in and out a little bit, and you're making a good point, but we can't quite hear it. Can you hear me now? That's better, Darren. Thank you.
14: Yeah, um, he used to protect my mother because she, was, um, she had a stroke, and then he used to sit underneath the wheelchair, but he would never, ever go for anyone. But you, don't know, that. you sure don't
4: know that 100%, though, do you?
14: No, no. You'd never know with any dog. Any dog can turn in. Yeah, and I think but that some people, some people, some people forget properly. that. Yeah, if they're brought up properly, like we are, we are responsible owners. We brought we brought them from a. Um, both of them came from um, a woman who bred them, who had had them um, stuffed for years, and um, they've both been trained properly by a proper trainer and everything. And we never let them off the lead when we take them out for a walk. Um, and it's, it's always... Staffies always have a bad name because they get in the wrong hands. Would you trust, would you
4: trust those dogs with other people? Yes. Completely? Yes. Even because though they've got that animal instinct and, that, you yeah. know, a dog can turn on a moment's notice?
14: Yeah, because whenever we've been away... We um, have left them uh, with our neighbour or with my sister, mm. and they have been absolutely fine. Darren, they're such ugly animals. They're not. They're not, Ian. They're not. You, uh, you, you, you say they are, but they are not. The Staffies are not. They are the most loving and kindest dogs that you can think of.
4: All right, Darren, listen, thank you very much indeed. Darren there saying he, would tr- he, he trusts his Staffies with his neighbours. If I was Darren's neighbour, I would not be looking after that. I, I, I'm looking at a picture now. <sighs> They're ugly. They're ugly animals. There's nothing attractive about them at all. Why would you have a, a, an animal that's so unattractive? There are some dogs that are beautiful. A, a, a cocker spaniel. Oh, a wonderful creature. But a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And you can't trust them 100%. You can't trust any animal 100%. They could turn at a moment's notice. 08459 four double five five double five. Right, let's get the travel news now. Sophie Tyler.
9: Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: Anti-clockwise on the M25, looking heavy between 26 at Waltham Abbey, and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also fairly heavy around Junction 20 at Kings Langley and also the Barnet Bypass heading south, uh, beginning to look a little bit slow, where you'd expect between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Everything else really not looking too bad at all. Actually, trains still moving nicely at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: uh, Sophie, thank you very much indeed. I'm desperately trying to find Sylvia's mother to play by Dr Hook. I don't think we've got it on our computer anymore. What a wonderful song. We'll see if we can hunt it down. Good morning, it's 6.46. It's Wednesday, the 27th of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Milton Keynes woman says she'd sell her body illegally because of changes to housing benefit, which she fears will make her homeless. Farmers in beds, hearts and bucks say they're dealing with the worst weather conditions they've seen in the uh, last 30 years. In sport, England are second in Group H after drawing their World Cup qualifier one all with leaders Montenegro. Coming up, a 14-year-old girl has been found dead at a house in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Can you ever completely trust a dog with someone else? We'll hear more before 7am. Let's get the latest weather now, though. Here's Wendy Horrell.
9: Beds, hearts and bucks weather.
20: BBC Three Counties Radio. Another chilly start. Temperature minus one at Luton Airport at the moment and we've got a fairly cloudy start to the day as well in many places. However, a bit of sunshine starting to break through. I think High Wycombe will see the benefit of that as we go through the next hour or so and we will see some decent sunny spells into the afternoon. Still though, we've got that nagging easterly wind. It's still going to be felt today, although becoming lighter as we go through today and tonight. Temperatures today, well we're looking at highs of no further than about four or five degrees. So still well below where it should be at this time of year but for most of us uh, it should be a largely dry day. Then as we go through the night, as I say, the wind easing back a touch further. There will be some clear sky and once again a widespread frost will form as temperatures fall just below freezing. So we do it all over again tomorrow. There will be some sunny spells on and off throughout the day. Uh, Again, it's going to be dry. The wind a little bit lighter than of late. So temperatures, if there is any sunshine, might get to about 5 or 6 degrees Celsius, oh the dizzy heights. And I'm afraid as we go through the Easter week nothing much is going to change yes it will be mostly dry but there will be an awful lot of cloud around and temperatures are really struggling and that easterly wind will be picking up again especially on easter monday so no change for the foreseeable i'm afraid
4: brilliant thanks wendy
11: easter weekend on bbc three counties radio
0: Good Friday from six, it's Helen Lee. So what does Easter mean to you? Is it the most important weekend in the Christian diary or a food fest? From nine, Colin Berry.
15: I'll have more nostalgia with orchestras and singers depicting music radio like it used to be.
11: From
2: 11,
15: Richard Williams. I'll be here with some local stories, live
14: guests and a man having a manicure. From two, three counties sport. There's live commentary on Watford versus Burnley, Hartley-Pool against MK Dons and Stevenage, away to Crawley. From Six,
11: Jerry Byrne.
14: Join me for some of the very
4: best Irish music and much more.
11: Good Friday on BBC Three Counties
4: Radio. Right, couldn't find Sylvia's Mother by Dr Hook, but I found a song which I think is better. This is my mum's favourite song. Although it's about a couple having sex twice. Uh, Dennis Le Corrier, the singer of this, is going to be on Justin's show at the weekend. Oh, i more excited about that. Dr Hook, a little bit more. When
8: your body's in I'm laying flat out on the floor When you think I've loved you All I can I'm gonna love you a little bit more Come on over here And lay by my side I've got to be touching you Let me rub your tires Shoulders The way I used to do Look into my eyes And give me that smile The one that always turns me on And let me take your hair down Cause we're stay
4: of driving today. I think it should be Dr Hook Day in my car. Dr Hook, lead singer, Dennis Le not the guy with the patch, that's the other fella. They don't talk. Don't mention him. Uh, He's going to be on Justin's show on Saturday, so well worth uh, a listen. 08459 455 555. Dogs are in the news again, as they often are. I'm I'm not doing a whole, hey, we should ban dogs, let's ban dogs, kind of thing. I I don't think that's the answer at all, of course it's not the answer, and you can't ban dogs completely, but... I don't understand the attraction of some of them. These Staffordshire Bull Terriers and a Bull Mastiff, they're flipping ugly. American Bulldog. Oh, they're horrible things. We're talking about it because a 14-year-old girl has been found dead at a house in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Officers discovered the body when they responded to a report of a number of dogs being out of control. Four animals were destroyed by armed police and an investigation has been launched. The teenager had been visiting a friend. Well, Mick Martin is uh, from Bedford, and he's from BBC's Dog Borstal. Morning, Mick. Morning, please. Think that two of the dogs were bull mastiffs. Two may have been Staffordshire bull terriers. They look
21: aggressive breeds. Are they I- innately dangerous? I don't think. Um, I don't think they're really innately dangerous. I think it all depends on their surroundings. I think what happened uh, the tragic incident again was probably due to it being some out of control pack. And then the question's got to be: Is why would you want a pack of animals in your house?
4: Well, the thing there, there were five dogs there, uh, I, I think, and four have been have been destroyed. Why would someone have you say a, a pack of dogs in their house?
21: Exactly. I mean, um, I've I've got a lot of clients that want one or two dogs, you know, and I, I try and put them off, you know, and I will say, you know, they say, well, they need they need company, they need friends, you know. And I, it's not true at all, you know One dog with a family can live quite happily They don't need two, they don't need three They certainly don't need five
4: How trusting should owners be When they have uh, guests round uh, when kids and when teenagers are around in particular?
21: Right, I, I looked this up um, yesterday, Ian When I got the call from uh, BBC Three Counties And this is the seventh call that I've done involving a death and so I'll say it once and I'll say it again. I've got a signed football upstairs in the office and I wouldn't leave that alone with a with a dog. So why would I leave a kid alone with a dog?
4: Oh you, you get another phone call, make this could you could be talking about this another someone else a bit later on. So why it, it seems obvious to me that I wouldn't leave one, two, three dogs like this alone with, with with a young person.
21: Why do some people not get that? I don't know. I just I just don't understand it, you know, it's just uh, it's just absolutely tragic, you know. How many times have I been on the telly and on the radio talking about the same thing? And people just, you know, what? You, you'll get callers, they'll phone up now, and they'll say, "Yeah, but my dog's all right." Yeah, yeah. But, no, it's not. No, it's not. And you know, everything could happen. You know, the, the the child might have stepped on one of the dogs. It might have been frightened. You know, there was an incident where a firework went off and the, and the dog reacted against the the owner and started biting the owner. You know um people just don't listen they just don't want to listen
4: is there anything i mean would, would, can any laws be changed what 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 is there we, anything the government could be doing
21: <laughs> we um uh, I, i've spoke i, I listened to your uh show quite a lot in because uh, i remember you from uh, a long time ago <laughs> Thanks, and, thank uh, you and uh and one, one day we'll have a chat about that but um we, I listened to you talking to Grant Chaps about uh, a stage being built in Hatfield, and, and you, no matter how many times you asked a minister about what, what the thing was, they will not answer the question. I've been involved in trying to uh, re-educate people about a, a number of issues involving dogs, and the people that they have running those things have never been in a situation that, it, that actually involves a dangerous dog. I was a member of the firearms team. I was also a member of the dangerous dogs team when I was a police officer. And I've actually been in front of dangerous dogs, and I've been involved in incidents where we've had to shoot a dog that attacked a person in Watford. And so having been in that situation, you wouldn't want to see members of the public or or children have to deal with that. And say, ask me what you need to do. You know, get me involved. Mm. And I've tried to do that. I've tried to do that with the Conservative Party, and I've tried to do it with the Labour Party. They're not listening. They don't listen. Mm. They never listen.
4: Mick, listen, I appreciate your time. When you say you remember me from years ago, I wasn't rude about you, was I, in a past life. Um, uh, there,
21: There was a programme on TV called E for Entertainment. Now, oh. I have four small yes. videos. Right, oh dear gosh, and, there's um, a vendetta. Oh you know, dear. I will come into there. I'll come yes. in to see JVS sometime. Oh blimey, am I in and, trouble? Uh, your day will come in. Oh the Mick.
4: Mick, well listen, I look forward to my day coming. There was a threat on the radio, look at that. If I get killed, play that in, play that in court. Play that clip in court. I remember E-Friend today. I did the voiceover of that. Not, not much more, but uh, good, good to see that Mick doesn't bear a grudge. James is from Milton Keynes. Morning James. Good morning, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright James. What's your take on this? Um, well, I've
22: got two large dogs, two yes. mastiffs, um, both crossbreeds. and um, supervised. I would trust them with anybody. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I don't trust any random humans around my kids, so I wouldn't leave anybody unsupervised around my kids, even my own dogs. It's like having a, it's like having a gun in the house, I suppose, unloaded and uh, in a safe place. It's fine, but put it in the wrong hands, it's a very serious
4: weapon. If your dogs weren't mental, though. And, and started yeah. going for someone, how would you get them off? Uh, well, I, my, I, when you walk dogs, obviously
22: sometimes they will get into fights with other dogs if other people's dogs are a bit mental. And I've had that before. And I've, I've just got in and called my dogs away and they responded to me, not a problem, because they're trained. And, uh, but they but still, down James, that
4: anim- that, uh, well, if that animal instinct kicks in, then you, yeah. you do hear stories of dogs ignoring the instruction to, to, to come away.
22: Well, oh, yeah, it's like that Fincham dog running after all the deer, well, it is like that. that. <laughs> but your dog,
4: so what I'm saying is your dogs could cross that line, and, and, and they might not listen to you.
22: Well, yeah, just I suppose anybody, either human or animal, gets red mist, don't they? It's just a little bit like road rage if they get into that sort of zone. There's nothing getting
4: them out. James, listen, we've got to end it there because we're out of time. Thank you very much. Well, I oh, wait four five nine four double five five double five. Well, I, uh, first of all, I think these dogs—the the, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, the Bull Mastiff, the American Bulldog—they're flipping ugly dogs. They're horrible. Why would you have something like that roaming around your house? And can you trust? your dogs with other people 08459 455 555 Right, let's get the travel news now, here's Sophie Tyler
9: Beds, hearts and bucks travel BBC Three Counties Radio
10: Still looking at problems on the M25 at the moment. Anti clockwise, it's slow where you'd expect between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also, stay between 21 at the M1 and 20 at King's Langley, and again between 16 at the M40 and 15 at the M4. Barnet Bypass still stays southbound as well between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus, and the A10 at the Great Cambridge Road heading south through Enfield. Still looking fairly busy as well between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. A405 a little bit heavy around the M25 junction, 21A round about but everything else not looking too bad at all trains still moving nicely on the departure boards at the moment Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio
4: thank you very much indeed Sophie I'm still uh, recovering from the threatening tone of the interview there with Mick Martin the dog man your time will come your time will come oh dear Mick listen it was 12 years ago let's let's shake hands and make peace I don't want an angry dog man after me anyway lots coming up in the next hour we'll tell you what after the latest news
9: with Serena Farah Getting Beds, Hearts and Bugs Talking.
11: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Good morning, the headlines. People say housing benefit changes will make them homeless in the three counties. Farmers have one of the worst years ever and job centre opens in Milton Keynes. BBC Three Counties Radio. People across the three counties fear they may end up homeless because of changes to housing benefit. It helps those on a low income to pay all or part of their rent. Well, if you have a spare room, then benefit will be cut by 14% and it'll be 25% for two or more spare rooms that you have going free. According to the National Housing Federation, around 1,700 people will be affected in Milton Keynes and around 2,000 in central Bedfordshire. One of those is Christine Cullerton from Shefford. If I then fall into arrears
23: and get into financial difficulty, the Housing Association will have no authority or responsibility to rehouse me. I will be deemed as making myself intentionally homeless.
0: Taking a look at farmers now across Beds Hearts and Books and they say they're dealing with the worst weather conditions they've seen in the last 30 years. The snow and freezing temperatures aren't helping either. It follows severe flooding and one of the wettest summers on record last year. Well, Tabby Beasley farms at Hanslope. She says the Smellensburg virus has also had a big impact. The
1: virus has had a very big impact if you were lambing or calving earlier. It's the Smellenberg virus is, is passed by midges. So if you were getting your cattle in calf and you are using lamb earlier in the year, the midges were biting them and passing on this virus. And a lot of people have lost up to half of their cattle, their calves, half of their lambs to the virus.
0: A 14-year-old girl has died after being attacked by dogs in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Police say Jade Anderson was found along with five dogs, which were said to be aggressive and out of control. Four animals were destroyed in all and an investigation's now been launched. Campaigners are due to protest today at railway stations in Bedford, Hitchin and Stevenage. It's against ticket office closures and job cuts. It comes on the 50th anniversary of the Beeching Rail Report, which brought in a reduction on the rail network. Now, Milton Keynes College is opening a job shop in order to help students find work. It's the first across the three counties to team up with a recruitment company, Reed. Jessica Cooper has all the details. The Work Hive
20: will offer students access to local jobs and training to make sure they have the skills needed for employment when they finish their studies. A similar partnership is in place at eight colleges across the country. It first launched in Bournemouth last January and has resulted in hundreds of students finding work.
0: Moving on to football, and England remained second in Group H after drawing their World Cup qualifier one all with leaders Montenegro. Wayne Rooney's first half-header given England the lead, but the host then levelled 13 minutes from time. Weather then, and it's mostly dry today, but another very cold one with temperatures just reaching 3 degrees Celsius. That's 37 in Fahrenheit, round about the same temperature as yesterday. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news.
4: This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up between now and nine o'clock. Here every weekday, by the way. Six till nine, if you've, uh, you've only just discovered us. Thank you very much. Lots coming up now, though, that I'd like you to have your say on. Big changes to housing benefit come into effect next week. We hear from the three counties' residents who fear they could be made homeless because of this rather lazily called bedroom tax. Well, one Milton Keynes woman has told me this morning that she may have to resort to prostitution to stay in her house. Still cold out there. I'm bored of it now. And farmers have told this programme they're dealing with the worst conditions in 30 years. How much sympathy do you have for farmers? campaigners are at Hitchin Station this morning protesting over cuts to services and staff on the rail network. We'll find out why they are so unhappy. You can get in touch in various ways. The two best ways. Facebook. Go to our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or you can give me a call 08459 455
11: 555 BBC Three Counties Radio
4: Now, people in the three counties fear they could end up homeless as a result of changes to housing benefit, which helps those on a low income to pay all or part of their rent. Under the bedroom tax, as uh, critics have lazily described it, families of working age who under-occupy their property will have their housing benefit cut by 14% for one spare room and 25% for two or more spare rooms. Well, according to the National Housing Federation, almost 2,000 people will be affected in central beds, around 1,700 in Milton Keynes and just under 1,500 in Luton. Well, earlier on in the show, I spoke to Kathleen Oates from Bean Hill in Milton Keynes. She told me how much she would struggle with the housing benefit changes. What would you resort to 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 make ends meet?
7: I really wouldn't like to say. (laughs) Why? Because it's going to be something that I'm against, probably... Become an escort or some other immoral. Really, you go,
4: peg- go that far? You you you'd sacrifice your food and you'd, you'd possibly consider turning to prostitution to pay.
7: Yes, I would. Yes, I would. <laughs> or um, I'd go to a loan shark to get um, a loan to basically to keep me above water.
4: Well, uh, there we go. Joining me now on the line is Carol Hegley. She's the Conservative councillor in charge of housing at Central Bedfordshire Council. Morning, Carol. Oh, Carol, got you there. Morning, Carol. Morning. And also is Claire Asprey from the National Housing Federation. Morning, Claire. Good morning. Claire, let's start with you. How concerned are you about these changes to benefits?
24: Well, we've been saying for a long time that there's a lot that's not right about some of these changes um, and that there are very vulnerable people who will be hugely impacted, particularly disabled households who are impacted by the bedroom tax. And the the fund that the government's put in place to help some of those people will just be a drop in the ocean. So if you spread it around everyone who's on disability living allowance, for example, it works out about £2.50 a week against an average loss of benefit... £14. So you can see that most people will be left, you know,
4: shortchanged by that. It seems uh, that that in regards to this, and I I keep saying in inverted commas, bedroom tax, I know it's not that, and it's slightly more complicated than that, but that's the sort of lazy shorthand we're using. It would seem that central beds has more people affected than the rest of the three counties. Is there any particular reason why that might be the case?
24: Well, sometimes it depends on the kind of homes that are available. For example, there are areas where there just aren't that many smaller homes. So that's a double problem. First of all, more people are likely to be living in homes that are officially larger than they need. But actually, there isn't very much to, sh- to you know, move down size to. Um, the other issues are around you know, what the age of the people are, because obviously people over retirement age are exempt from this. Um, but if you've got a lot of people who are sort of older, their children have left home, or they're disabled, and there's a reason why they're, you know, living in social housing because they've got the adaptations they need, then, you know, that's what you're going to find.
4: There is good science behind this, though, isn't there, Claire? Because there are families who are living in properties that are too small for them. And this, this will free up bigger properties, won't it?
24: Well we do want to see the best use made of the homes that we have um, absolutely um, at the end of the day what we have here is a major housing crisis it is about there not being enough homes um, more than anything else and for a lot of people who are living in the homes that we're talking about who will be affected they don't have an option to move they have adaptations they need a home for a carer they need the space for um, the, yeah, other caring <clears throat> responsibilities. And actually, you know, moving isn't such an option. And in those cases, we don't think that this is a fair or even a very good way of saving the government money. Well, let's ask,
4: let's ask uh, Carol Hegley, Conservative Councillor in charge of housing at Central Bedfordshire Councillor. Has this been thought out properly, Carol?
13: Uh, well, obviously, as a council, we are currently looking to implement the system. So we are doing the mapping exercise. We are um, writing to all tenants. Um, and just as um, the other lady said, you know, we are we are identifying uh, vulnerable households, people with the, the extreme sort of cases of disability and that sort of thing. But I think um, ultimately, I do think there's probably... Um, a, a reasoning behind this, which is quite well-intentioned, that we do make best use of our housing stock. And as you said, the households that are um, over-occupied, if you like, overcrowded, um, you know, we'll be able to offer them something better. So but I will you? Because is-
4: there aren't enough properties, if I've got this right, for the, the, the people that need to downsize, there's nowhere for them to go, is there? Uh,
13: well, obviously at the moment, it, it's all like supply and demand, isn't it? So we constantly get churn in our housing stock of people moving on for various reasons and there will never ever be a perfect system of saying we have got you know the exact match of housing within central bedfordshire for everybody's needs because families change don't they you know they move in and out the area they grow unfortunately they people die so you'll always have, you know, a constant change in what is required. So it will never, ever be perfect. But people um, are going
4: to be, people who are in, let's say they're in the, the, there's a couple living in a three-bedroom house who are going to lose, I think, 25% of their, their benefits. If they've got nowhere to go, they're going to be penalised and it, it, it's not their fault. What would you say to those people?
13: Um, well, obviously that they've got options. Um, what are yeah, they? One of them is to downsize. But if they we- haven't got
4: anywhere to go, Carol, then what, what can they do?
13: Well, as I said, we will be doing everything we can to, you know, facilitate mutual exchanges and that type of thing to get people to move as an option. Um, One of the other options is to earn a little bit of extra money to try and offset the reduction on the housing benefit. So that is another option.
4: How, How would they do that?
13: Well, they can earn money, they can work. Well, there aren't,
4: well, it's easy to say that. We spoke to a caller earlier on who, who is applying for, for a job every day for, and for years and hasn't got any work. There aren't any jobs.
13: Well, I, I would have to uh, differ uh, an opinion there. I've got to say, within central Bedfordshire, for example, um, you know, we have a very good record of um, job creation. You know, there is a good sort of supply. You're saying of there are enough jobs. jobs
4: for people out there?
13: I'm not saying necessarily there are enough, and it depends what you do and how selective you are, but I do think there are jobs available, you know, if people do want to try and find something. What about those with disabilities? What
4: about those with disabilities who who may be struggling?
13: Well, we we will have access to um, a discretionary housing payment fund where we will look at those, um, you know, most affected, if, if you like, So obviously we will consider those people and um, we will. It's my job as as, um, head of social care and housing to ensure that we do actually safeguard the most vulnerable. So we will look to use that fund for people that we we find, you know, are in most need.
4: Claire, it sounds like Carol's got everything covered, that they're going to facilitate property swaps, which makes sense. Encourage people to go out and earn some money, and disabled, vulnerable people are, are, are going to be covered by this discretionary fund?
24: Well, I think she's in a very difficult position, and it's not easy for local authorities She absolutely recognise that. Um, I think... Yes, there are options that people have. A mutual exchange, swapping homes with somebody else, will be one that works for a lot of people, particularly where you've got those overcrowded households who want to change up. And we know there's been a lot more interest in that recently. I think it's worth pointing out, though, that lots of people who are affected by this change are already in work. Um, They are low paid. It's not that they're not working. Um, And for some of those people who are on a low income, who are perhaps already working as many hours as they can, they actually are going to lose all of the benefits They currently get. They currently get a top up, uh, and some people are going to lose just all of that because of these changes. So, um, yes, it's potentially, you know, it's an option that potentially people can get more work if it's available. But even people in work will be infected by this, and we know that the discretionary funds that they have, the councils have at at their in their hands will not go far enough even to meet half of the needs of the disabled population who are affected and it's a very difficult place to be to have to make those kind of decisions and that's why you know one of the reasons why the public accounts committee at the government yesterday said that some of these uh, changes had not been properly assessed and that the impacts could cost more than the cuts themselves.
4: Carol, we're running out of time. Final point, Uh, the people in in central beds and elsewhere in the three counties have spoken to us and told us that there could potentially be a rise in homelessness because of of these changes. Uh, Is the council ready to cope with that? Uh,
13: Well, I've got to say it would not be our intention to, um, you know, push people into homelessness. I mean, obviously that's totally, you know, self-defeating um so we we will do our best obviously to help people where we can and encourage them in whichever ways you know whether or not it's earning a little bit of extra money like i said or moving we'll do whatever we can but it is not going to be easy these are significant changes for the council to get the grips with and obviously that's where we are at the moment
4: and carol if people do um, want advice on, on on the help that you're suggesting who should they get in touch with
13: well, we, we have a significant um, surge, shall I say, in the amount of people contacting the council at the moment because there are you know, various welfare benefit reforms. Um, but I would suggest they contact the council on the main number, so that's 0300 300 8, um, but at the moment, just be very patient um, because, obviously, we are getting a lot of calls.
4: OK, Carol, listen, thank you very much indeed. Carol Hegley, Conservative Councillor in charge of housing at Central Beds Council. And the other voice you heard there was Claire Astbury from the National Housing Federation. Well, Carol's saying they're getting in touch with the council. They'll help you um, do a house swap, which sounds like a cracking idea to me. Uh, it will help possibly help you uh, earn a few extra quid or give you access to a discretionary fund. Can I ask, if you've called up Central Beds Council and ask them for help regarding these benefit changes. How helpful have they been? 08459 four double five five double five. Have they given you some useful advice and you've come away thinking, oh, actually, we can, we can make this work. We can deal with this. We, we, we haven't got to move. Or, or we can move and we're going to get a smaller property and it's all sorted. Or I can earn a few extra quid. Or was it no help whatsoever? 08459 455 555. Have you called up Central Beds Council or your local council asking for advice and help about these changes to the benefits that are coming into place next week? And have they been any use? Right, 7.15,
9: travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: London bound on the M one looking heavy at the moment between Junction ten at Luton Airports and nine at Redbourne. Anti-clockwise on the M25, busy way it expects between twenty-six at Waltham Abbey and twenty-five at Enfield. Again between twenty-one at the M one and twenty at Kings Langley. And speed is down to thirty-five miles an hour between sixteen at the M forty and fifteen at the M four. Now the Barnet Bypass also still slow between Stirling Corner and Millhill Circus, heading south. And the A ten, that's the Great Cambridge Road, heading south through Enfield, also slow between Bulls Lane and Southbury Road road. Everything else really not looking too bad at all. Moving nicely on the trains at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you Sophie. Right, 7.16 it's Wednesday the 27th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Milton Keynes woman says she'd consider resorting to prostitution because of changes to housing benefit which she fears will make her homeless. Protests are due to be held today at Bedford, Hitchin and Stevenage train stations against cuts to the railways. In sport, Watford striker Matej Vidra scored twice for the Czech Republic in their 3-0 victory in Armenia. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Mostly dry with some sunny periods at time, but it'll be another very cold day with a biting breeze. Maximum temperature is 3 degrees. Coming up, farmers have told this programme they're dealing with the worst conditions in 30 years. How much sympathy do you have for them? We'll hear from some local farmers before 7.30.
11: BBC Three Counties Radio.
9: Tackling your consumer problems.
11: On BBC Three Counties Radio.
25: My son took it back to the the garage. The mechanics is, yeah, I know what it is. So they took it in, done what they had to do. And the car was still the same, still
26: doing the same
2: thing. The JVS show. Fighting for your rights. The long and short of it is, he agreed that he would replace the car. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same
21: for you. I'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done. We wouldn't have got where we got without you.
2: It's a pleasure. I'm going to call that a result. Any other problems, you know where I am, Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: 08459 oh, five nine four double five, five, double five. We're just talking about the changes in the benefits uh, that are taking place this week, including the reduction in, in housing benefit you'll receive if you've got a spare room. You probably know it slightly better as the bedroom tax. Uh, well, Paul is on the line. Uh, Paul, you work for a housing association.
26: Uh, that's right, Ian.
4: Good morning. Well, g- good morning. What do you think about this? I, I, I keep putting it in inverted commas because I know it's, it's a lazy media description. Bedroom tax.
26: Yeah, that's what we call it, yeah.
4: Oh, you call it that as well? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. OK, so not just left, the left-wing uh, liberal media then, as we've been accused of. OK, well, what do you think of it? Is it a good idea or a bad idea?
26: It's unfair and it's incompetent. Is, is are the two messages that I'd, I'd actually say, and I'll explain why that's the case. It's unfair because it's forcing people to move to smaller accommodation that doesn't exist. That's that's the that's the the first thing. It's actually going to significantly create hardship and probably will lead to homelessness. Um, it is incompetent because. The line that's been spun, and I heard the conversation going on earlier on, that this was about um, making best use of the housing stock. There are all these people on the housing list, and that's perfectly true, but they're they're unevenly spread in the country uh, uh, to be able to do that. Uh, But if if this exercise was about best use of the housing stock, there are a number of points that need to be made. Number one... If it is, then why are the Department of Work and Pensions, their own estimates are that 80% of those affected will stay where they are. That's the only way that the Department of Work and Pensions will make the savings that they plan to make. Number two, if it's about best use of the stock, why are the group who... ...under-occupy the greatest amount of stock, the elderly, and I'm not saying they should be included, but why are they excluded? Because that's where you'd make a difference, and I'll tell you why. They aren't included because there aren't the smaller places to move to, and most pensions tend to vote... So people are frightened to actually address them. Paul,
4: we spoke to we spoke to um, Carol Hegley, as you heard, with the Conservative Council in charge of yeah. housing at Central Beds Council. Uh, and she says that this system will work because the council are, are receptive to uh, initiating house swaps. They're, they'll encourage and help people earn a little bit more money, a little extra money, to pay for the, the decrease in benefits. Uh, and they have a, a, a pot that they have discretionary access to to help the more vulnerable people. You're not buying that?
26: Um, it, it, it won't. It will barely touch the problem. Um, I, and if I could go on, if there is a shortage, then why are we still selling council houses at half the price? Why would we would you do that if there was a shortage? Well, that's there to
4: stimulate the the, the uh, economy, it, isn't it?
26: Yeah, there, there isn't. There isn't enough accommodation for people to move to. If somebody is fortunate enough to to get additional hours, then there are. Penalties against what they earn uh, to be able to make up the the difference. Um, uh, the, the Grand Union Housing Group uh, has arrogant Housing in Central Beds has over six thousand homes, and nearly six hundred of the tenants are affected by this. We are going to try and obviously try and help those people where they can swap to make best use of the stock. We're actually trying to uh, ensure that people get the right amount of benefits. Um, to maximise their income, but they are still in a minority. The vast majority of people won't be able to move.
4: Paul, very briefly, because we're running out of time. Do you think this is just a money-making exercise, then?
26: Absolutely. I I go back to the Department of Work and Pensions' own estimates assume that 80% of all those affected 660,000 people up and down the UK will stay put, and that's how they will make their savings.
4: Paul, thank you very much indeed. We've got to end it there, but thank you. Paul uh, works for a housing association. He thinks that uh, this reduction in benefits for people who are, are under occupying property, the bedroom tax, is uh, just a money making exercise. Well, what do you think? 08459 455 555. Farmers could soon be counting the cost of the problems caused by the weather over several months. The snow and freezing temperatures have followed one of the wettest summers on record, and there's been severe flooding. Well, Gary Spears owns farms in Bedfordshire uh we, he's going to be with us in a second i do apologize yes he's going to be joining us in a few seconds he owns uh, farms in bedfordshire in Hertfordshire. Uh, but in the meantime we can speak to peter geary who's an arable farmer at hanslope in bucks morning peter morning uh, how difficult is it for farmers at the mo- moment
27: i have to say this this last year has probably been the toughest year that certainly my father can remember and that goes back 70 years so it's it's pretty tough
4: what, what problems have you faced since last summer? I know it's, it's a long list, so would you just give us the highlights.
27: Well, it started off with a drought in the spring last year, which didn't do the crops much good. We then had a very wet summer, which was very difficult to get on to harvest the crops and deal with things, and some people haven't harvested crops. They've left them, around, they've left them they couldn't get to them last year. We were quite fortunate, and we could. I planted 250 acres of oilseed rape last summer, of which only 25 acres survived the winter. So 90% loss. And I was supposed to plant 350 acres of wheat um, last winter and I got 60 planted before it rained and that is where we now sit.
4: Listen, I, I, let me put my cards on the table, Peter. All I know uh, about farming comes from listening to the Archer's Omnibus uh, on, on, on the weekend. It, it, what, what I'm getting from the calls this morning uh, is that this is actually a pretty dire situation. H- how much trouble are you in? How much trouble is your farm in?
27: Well, I'm a tenant farmer. I, ha- I own a small amount of land, but the vast majority of the land I own is rented. So the banks aren't that generous to me. I don't have a great deal to borrow against. Um, you know, we have to produce food to, to, to be able to, uh, to live. We have to be able to produce things, and the weather currently is stopping us. We do have the option to plant crops in the spring, um, and that's what you have to do if you can't get them in the autumn. You earn less money. But those crops need to be in the ground by now. The end of March is the, really the, the, the getting towards the end of the time, and I've got 500 acres of crops that I need to get in the ground, which is the vast majority of my work, and I just can't get to it. And with the weather forecast for the weekend, it's going to be at least two or three weeks before we can get anywhere near the land. And is that, is that too late? It is getting too late. The, the yields start tailing off drastically, and we have uh, bills to pay. But we also have a job, and as farmers, we have to produce food. And, you know, we produce the food that people eat. And if we can't produce the food, then we don't have the food to eat. And this year, for the first year in, I think, well, certainly 15 or 20 years, the UK had to import its wheat supply. It didn't produce enough.
4: What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my listeners? I'm
27: I'm assuming higher prices. I think you will find that prices will go up. It is is a difficult thing because wheat is not the major constituent of some foods and, and the foods that we produce, but food prices are rising. I think you've noticed that over the last two or three years. And food prices will continue to rise, especially in the UK, whereas if we have to import, you can put 10 or £20 a tonne because you've got to get a boat to get it here. If we're exporting, then we sit to world prices. So it will affect people on the ground. Um, and it will affect the the rural industries because if farmers haven't got the money, they can't spend the money. Um, so it will, and it will affect the whole of the agriculture industry, which, especially in three counties area, there is, um, you know, there, there there's quite a lot of rural industry. There. Farming
4: has been taking a battering over the past few years with all kinds of different things, with weather and um, with disease and all, all, you know, lots of different things. What's the longer term outlook for the farming industry?
27: To be fair, I think the long term outlook for farming is quite good. I mean, you know, th- th- with poor yields we had last year, they were. For me they were probably about 60 percent where they should be but we did have high prices because they were short so as a result financially last year we didn't do too badly in this coming financial year we are going to be very stretched i'm going to make a massive loss um, this year and hopefully i've got enough um, reserves to get me through there'll be some people who don't but it's, you know, this is, the, the weather is the one thing you cannot control. It affects other industries as well, but it's the one thing you, you just can't control, and there's just nothing we can do about it, and sometimes you just have to be patient, sit there, and just wait for it to change, and someday it will have to change.
4: Peter, thank you very much. Peter Geary, Arable Farmer at Hanslope in Bucks. We can now go to, I teed him up a little bit too early, he must have been at home panicking. Uh, we can now go to uh, our next caller, Gary Spears, who owns farms in Bedfordshire, in Hertfordshire. Morning, Gary. Yes, good morning. Gary, what, what problems have you been encountering?
25: Well, very similar to your last contributor, actually. Our main business is growing cereal crops, and I suppose you have to look back to last summer, to the wet summer. That's where it all started going wrong, really, with a late harvest, and then made it very difficult to establish the crops last autumn because it was so wet and late um and so consequently yes we're 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 probably probably not quite so bad as peter because um i would say we're about 20% of our land is not sown um but of, of what we have sown there's probably another 20% of it it really you'd have to put it in the poor category uh,
4: it, what happens if heavy rain follows this this cold snap how <laughs> damaging would that be for you Well... <laughs> I don't, well, I don't want we, to paint bleak a bleaker picture, but we, that's what it's looking
25: like. <laughs> no, well, we are praying for a bit of dry weather. I mean, I think everybody in the country is probably fed up with winter now. It's hung on, hasn't it? And um, we would love for, you know, what we really needed, you know, to compensate for such awful conditions last autumn was a nice early spring. And, of course, we've had anything but that. Um, so heavy rain would be about the last thing on the, on the, the agenda that we need. Um, and this, no, is, we, this is
4: going to cost me, isn't it? Me and my listeners are going to end up paying more money for this, aren't we?
25: I, I think undoubtedly, because the grain supply is going to be extremely tight next year because I'm expecting a very, very poor year coming. So, um, yes, I, I I quite agree. I think I think we are going to be reliant on import, and that's fine, so long as the rest of the world has a reasonable year. If, if grains in some of the major producers like Canada, USA and um, Australia suddenly are f- or, or, or below average, then yes, there could be serious world shortage.
4: And Gary, just go off on a slight tangent, how accurate is the Archers? This is where I get all my farming <laughs> knowledge from. Is it, is it a, a must-listen-to in, the, in the, the Gary Spears farm? Well, my wife listens to
25: it every single day, and uh, I'm not allowed to speak during it. So. <laughs> Good. Her, her knowledge, and she's a farmer's daughter, and she must find it tolerable, so yes, I have to
4: say I'm not an avid listener. Gary, thank you very much indeed, Gary Spears owns farms in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire my entire research for doing this farming story was listening to the archers (laughs) I know, I know, I should have read the notes I was sent, instead I had to find out what was going, they don't do much farming there apparently, it's all about this young girl who's, who's a student and she's turned her back on the ewes, anyway I'm going off on a tangent again, let's get the travel news now with Sophie Tyler shall we, yes let's
9: Beds, hearts and bucks travel BBC Three Counties Radio
10: no major changes out there at the moment. Heading south on the A10, the Great Cambridge Road through Enfield is looking fairly busy between Bulls Lane and Southbury Road. And the Barnet Bypass southbound also slow between Sterling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And also today's anti-clockwise on the M25 between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also between 21 at the M1, pretty much all the way through now to 16 at the M40. Speed there in particular down to around 20 miles an hour. Everything else not looking too bad at the moment. Also seems to be moving nicely on the trains as well. Departure boards should Showing no delays at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Sophie, thank you very much. It's coming up to 7.30. Let's get the news and sport now with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
11: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Good morning. People across the three counties fear they may end up homeless because of changes to housing benefits. Elsewhere, a 14-year-old girl has died after being attacked by dogs in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Campaigners are due to protest today at railway stations in Bedford, Hitchin and Stevenage. It's against ticket office closures and job cuts. And Milton Keynes College is opening a job shop in order to help students find work. That's the news. Now let's get up to date with all the morning sport.
9: Ed's Hudson Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: So slightly disappointing, England missed the opportunity to take control of their World Cup qualifying group when they squandered the lead and had to settle for a one all draw in Montenegro last night. Wayne Rooney headed in a corner after just six minutes, but sustained second half pressure. By the home side, Brentwich brought on equaliser just 13 minutes from the end. Here's England captain Stephen Gerrard. Well, I think
28: at half-time we were very happy. We were in control. We played very well for 45 minutes. And then for some reason we stopped playing after the break and uh, we let Montenegro back into the game. Credit to them, they kept pushing and pushing. We've got to hold our hands up and say they deserved an equaliser. Um, And then we finished the game strong, had a couple of half chances, but it just never came.
0: In the other World Cup qualifiers, Watford striker Matej Vidra played his part for the Czech Republic in their 3-0 victory in Armenia. He found the back of the net twice. Meanwhile, Wales are now fourth in Group A. That's after losing 2-1 to Croatia. And Scotland's awful campaign also continued as they were beaten 2-0 in Serbia. Let's have a look at other local football matches then. and Luton Town's conference match against Ebb was of course postponed because of the weather. But Hertfordshire side Bishop Stortford beat Workington 3-2 in the conference north. In the southern League Premier Division, R.C. in Bedfordshire overcame Redditch 3-0 and Hemel Hempstead bagged three points against Bashley as they won 4-2. Looking ahead to tonight then in Conference South, Borenwood are at Billericay. Finally in tennis Andy Murray's through to the quarter-finals of the Miami Masters. He beat Andrea Seppi 6-2, 6-4 in the fourth round. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at 8.
4: How you doing Serena?
0: Not bad, thanks. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Y- yourself?
4: I'm alright, yeah. Yeah?
0: All right.
4: Yeah? Anyway, I've got to go, I'm doing a radio show.
0: Okay. Bye.
4: That's the travel bed. We don't need that now. What I meant to press was this.
0: Across beds,
11: hearts and barks, this is Ian oh Lee what on plum. BBC Three
4: Counties Radio. What a plum. Sack him. Plum. Coming up, how do you feel knowing that houses on your street or around the corner are worth much more than yours? Well, Justin Dealey will be in one part of Bedford, where there's a huge difference in house prices, and campaigners are at Hitchin train station this morning protesting against cuts to services and staff on the rail network. We'll find out why they're so unhappy. We're talking about dogs this morning. It's on the front page of all the newspapers. Uh, this uh, young lady, Jade Lomas Anderson, uh, was was killed by four dogs. Pictures of the dogs here: American Bulldog, Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and the Bull Mastiff. They're ugly dogs. I. They're really ugly dogs. Why would you have one of those, let alone four or five of them? Surely the point of having a pet is it's something nice and relaxing and it's loving and it's comforting and it's it's joy. These things look awful. Why would you have one? And I guess the question is this morning. Would you trust your dog with someone else? Would you trust them with someone else? There's always that chance, isn't there, that a dog is going to turn... You just don't know. 08459 oh, five, 455 555. Five. Pat uh, has texted in 81333, three, starting the text 3CR. Uh, we own and have owned four English bull terriers, and the breed, if brought up right, are so docile and loyal to kind and knowledgeable owners. We have grandchildren, and when they come around or any child comes to our home, she's locked away. We walk her on the lead at all times, and not because she's dangerous. Far from it. We think she would run off into the distance. She has no road sense. Well, but you don't know, though, Pat, that's the thing with an animal with some people you don't know, you think they're nice and loving and kind and then they go bonkers and with an animal, you just don't know. And however well trained it is. you think, Oh, yeah, no, no. If, if, I, if I told her to stop, she would stop. You don't know. Uh, Carolyn Stevenage says, As a beautiful Mastiff owner, my dog, not me, I would never leave her alone with someone without a family member she knows present in case they do something that scares her. More problems arise when stupid owners have more than one dog. They will act as a pack. John says, For your information, Staffies are nice dogs and can make nice pets. It's the way they've been brought up that made them do that. Obviously, you're a bit of a girl and have a fluffy cat. John... I am so in touch with my masculinity, too in touch with my masculinity in some instances, that I am more than comfortable with owning a cat. And I think that only cat owners truly are. I think it's the owners that do own these big aggressive dogs that are the ones that have got, you know, that, that are making up for something. A, a, a shortage in an area, shall we say. 0845, oh, it's a willy extension. 08459 oh, four double five five double five. what do you think? Now, how do you feel to know that houses on your street or around the corner uh, are, are worth much more than yours? It's, it's a fun game, isn't it? There are websites you can go to now where you can look and see what houses are worth on your street or around the corner. Or you can, we did this uh, recently when uh, some new people moved in next to us. We, we found out how much they paid for their house. Oh, they paid that much for it. Oh, I wouldn't have paid that. Well, two neighbourhoods in the three counties have been highlighted in a new study looking at the greatest wealth gap. It looks at demographic data, social factors and population and has found divided neighbourhoods in St Albans and Bedford. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is it, is
15: it Tideman Close in, in uh, Bedford now, Justin, where you are? It is It is indeed, Ian. And uh, you're a nosy beast, aren't you, I'm trying to sleep on your neighbours oh, like that? come on. If someone buys the house <laughs> next door, you have a little yeah.
4: look at what it was going for and how much yeah. they paid. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, <This laughs> no is just to describe the, time and Close, describe it. Is it nice? Is it a bit classy or is it a bit down market?
15: No, 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 it's very nice, actually. I mean, I, I mean this study found that and Close here in Bedford is is home to, to affluent professionals, Ian, where people tend to be well-educated and have higher-than-average salaries. Oh now, dear, they, the they, court- probably,
4: they probably saw you and thought, oh, dear gosh. Let's call, let's call the
15: police, shall we? <laughs> so, just round the corner from time and Close is Brownie Pass. Now, that's classed as social rented flats, families and single parents, areas where unemployment is higher, with people claiming benefits. Now, they're very, very nearby. I'm with Nick Keir here, who joins us live in our radio car. Nick is a partner at Lane and Homes Estate Agency in Bedford. Nick, why are we seeing this situation where we've got properties that that, that are vastly different in price, but they're very, very nearby? I mean, is this something which has always
19: happened? I think over the years it's developed. We're talking about the way you talk about Brownie Path. These properties are some 40 years old. They're mixing with properties um, across a few paths away that are only six years old. Different architectural detail, uh, different look. But uh, these days, rather than say when Briny Path was built, when you put all the social housing together, today you integrate them, and even from a design point of view, you can hardly tell the difference between the two. But how
15: do you, as an estate agent, try and sell that property? If you've got a three-bedroom house that's on the market for say two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, and then round the corner the same property is worth one hundred and eighty thousand pounds, surely somebody's going to say, "Well, I don't want to be near that area because it's not as
19: good as the one I want to buy," and I don't want the two- I think the point you make is that it is round the corner and therefore they aren't that close together. Uh, Side by side, they will be of a similar price, but there will always be a reason whether or not people have looked after that particular street. But it can be just that one street to the next. But usually there'll be a different aspect. It could be that one is bigger or smaller than the other better maintained, uh, nearer the school, the right side of the tracks from where there's a railway line. There's all there's so many different factors mm. that you just can't take into account in a survey like this, I'm afraid.
15: Because you may have a, a lovely property on the market which is absolutely ideal for somebody and then when you tell them where it is, they say, no, I'm not interested because it's near X, Y, Z. Does that often come up
19: in conversation? Well, people will uh, rule things out very quickly. Um, you know, There's the old thing, you never get a second chance to make a first impression and somebody will make their decision. And very often I think people go to look at a house, either... Uh, Hoping it's going to be everything they hoped for or worried that, yeah, it probably isn't quite what I wanted, but I'll have a look anyway, just in case. We're talking about this wealth gap here.
15: Bedford has been identified. What can be done, in your opinion, as an estate agent, to to hopefully close that divide in the wealth gap? Can anything be done?
19: Time, I think. I think that that, uh, for us, with property, property prices, people buying more rather than renting, taking ownership, that sort of thing tends to close the gap.
15: OK, a couple of final questions for you. How is the housing market right now? If you believe the Daily Express, it's
19: going well. Is that the case? I believe the Daily Express It's 20 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> um, no, I think that the, since uh, Christmas, we got out, that out of the way. January was a very good month. March has been a good month uh, for new business. Uh, stock levels will have dropped. The temptation for people will then maybe to think, oh, there's a fewer on the market. I might get a little bit more. It's, if the market's driven by driven by greed, then you'll find that prices will stabilise, sales will reduce. If people go with the market as it is at the moment then they'll be able to move and move on. But there is a good market out there, so long as we don't get too greedy.
15: Okay, just lastly, uh, you talk a good game. Uh, you estate agents often come in for a, a bit of stick,
19: don't you? Um, do you want to put the record straight this morning? Are you a good person, Nick? I'm a wonderful person, <laughs> and as everybody knows, it's all about us. Yeah. Now, I think the thing is, if, if in any business you treat people as you'd wish to be treated, you're fine every business has got people who push the boundary too much uh, and will get a bad name for those uh, that don't
15: so when you meet somebody for the first time and you say you're an estate agent they don't start walking away from you
19: no, they always want to know what the house is worth before <laughs> they a walk good deal, away. Yeah, absolutely,
15: Nick. Appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure. There you go. said, Nick here joining us live here in Bedford. He's a partner at Lane and Homes Estate Agency in Bedford. Currently on Simon Close, as I was saying, Ian. Simon Close, home to affluent professionals, and just round the corner, Brownley Pass, which is classed as social rented flats, families, and single parents. So, so clearly a wealth gap here in Bedford, which this report has identified. Justin, leave
4: that street now because you are direct- every second you are there, you are. <laughs> (laughs) dragging those house prices down into the dirt
15: you're so so nice to me aren't you so so nice thank you ian bye-bye
4: justin (laughs) yeah you're right there's an air of tension between us this morning (laughs) <laughs> There's not. It's just daily Excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much. Now, as we've been saying all morning, uh, there are going to be changes to uh, benefits next week, and people in the three counties fear they could end up homeless as a result of changes to housing benefit, which helps those on low income pay all or part of the rent. You will have heard it described as the bedroom tax. What it means is that housing benefit will be cut if you've got a spare room or two or more spare rooms. Well, Sue is from Milton King. Sue, you're the chair of the Bean Hill Residents Association. How worried are are, are you and the residents about these changes?
29: Um, Very worried. Um, In Whifton, we have about 50% of um, social housing, so it does affect quite a lot of our residents. Um, On Bean Hill itself, we have over 60% of social housing. So because they're mostly um, bungalows, we've got a lot of disabled people, um, families, etc., and it's going to make a real difference to them.
4: We've heard from uh, from a councillor from Central Beds saying that, that she's uh, helping people in in her area. Have you had the same thing from from your council that they're going to help people um, uh, find jobs, house swap, or um, even you know if, if people are vulnerable, dip into this, this this fund they've got to help vulnerable people.
29: Um, Milton Keynes Council um, chose to put the, the council a twenty percent on council tax for everybody. Um, there is a um, a DHP a discretionary housing. Um, pot of money that, if people are struggling um, that they can apply to uh, to receive, um, the parishes are also doing um, things like advice it, advising their their uh, residents where to go because there, there is help out there it's just finding it and knowing where it is.
4: We spoke to one resident of Bean Hill earlier on who was um, talking very drastic measures cutting down on food, yeah. possibly approaching loan sharks and uh, possibly turning to prostitution.
29: Yeah, and that's what I'm worried about. It's, it's the people that, that hang around when there's problems, like loan sharks. Um, but people need to know that there are people out there that can help them, like Credit Union, um, get hold of your local parish councillor, because they can actually signpost you to these people that know how to help you.
4: Do you have any sympathy for for the bedroom tax? Because in, it, it is, in theory, supposed to be helping people who, who are overcrowded move to places where they've got enough rooms.
29: The trouble with that is people that have got to downsize to make those houses available, there aren't any smaller houses. They didn't build two-bedroom or one-bedroom houses in a, in a lot of places, so there aren't the places for people to downsize to and that's what a lot of residents are finding. They're all all the people that have got spare bedrooms are wanting to move because of this bedroom tax, um, but there aren't the places to go to, and the council just say, "Well, you know, that that's not our problem. You need to pay this tax."
4: And how desperate are the people of Been Hill, Sue?
29: They they're getting they're getting there. I'm worried that it's going to get people are right on the border with the not only with the council tax that they've got to find, which is about twenty pound a month. Then the rest of the money for their bedroom tax, and that could be up to twenty-five percent of their rent. People have, have got to find between sixty and seventy pounds per month, which they haven't got. Would you have sixty or seventy pounds spare money uh, to find a month? Because I know I haven't.
4: Sue, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. That's Sue uh, Milton Key. She's chair of the Bean Hill Residents Association. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. <laughs> Oh look I've look I've got this all over don't no, no Sophie Sophie don't panic I can do this don't panic Sophie are you there I'm here Okay don't don't panic listen just just, just don't panic uh, is it going to be a, while I sort this out let's have a little chat is it going to be a good new uh, travel bulletin we're going to get
10: yeah, it's um, probably one of the best.
4: Yeah, yeah it's going to be a good one, is it? Right, okay. Yeah. I, I think I think we've sold it well. I'm going to okay. press the button. Here we go. No, no I'm not going to press the button. Hang <laughs> on. Oh, for goodness sake. Oh, for goodness sake. Right, I'm going to press the button now. I don't
10: think anybody noticed. No, I don't think so. Here's the travel
4: with Sophie Tyler.
9: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: We do have some problems heading south at the moment on the A1 through Biggleswade, queuing with one lane closed just between Biggleswade south at the A6001 at London Road and the A1M at Junction 10. A recovery has been arranged for an accident there. Everything else, though, not looking too bad. Apart from that, we have do uh, we do have uh, anti-clockwise problems on the M25 still, where you'd expect causing problems between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Again, between 21 at the M1 and 19 at Watford, and also between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M4. Forty Speed there down to around 20 miles an hour. Everything else not looking too bad. A few usual hold-ups, but nothing that's going to keep you out on the roads for too long. And the trains still looking good on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Excellent stuff, Sophie. I don't think anybody noticed your mistake. Right, 7.46, it's Wednesday the 27th of March. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio people in the three counties fear they may end up homeless as a result of changes to housing benefit. Farmers in beds, Huts and bucks, say they're dealing with the worst weather conditions they've seen in the past 30 years. In sport, England squandered the lead and had to settle for a one-all draw with Montenegro last night. Coming up, campaigners are at Hitchin Hitchin train station this morning, protesting against cuts to services and staff on the rail network. Before 8 o'clock we'll find out why they are so unhappy. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Andy Horrell. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather.
20: BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Temperature still hovering around the freezing mark out there at the moment. And uh, for many of us, it's not very sunny either. But there are some holes in the cloud. We are going to see a little bit of sunshine as we go through the day today. And the wind that's been nagging at us all week and has been sometimes pretty strong, still coming in from the east, but becoming easier as we go through the day today. However, it's not going to make much effect to the temperature. We'll get to four or five degrees Celsius, but always feeling colder than that in the wind, of course. Now, as we go through the night, there will be... a mixture of some clear sky and some patchy cloud. Temperatures again below freezing and there will again be a widespread frost. So we start the day tomorrow hopefully with some sunshine once again. That will come and go throughout the afternoon and at all times there could be the odd wintry flurry but it really won't come to very much. And then as we go into the Easter weekend, well I'm afraid not much is going to change. Mostly dry but uh, rather cloudy um, here and there. There will be some sunny spells and it is going to be staying cold I'm afraid right there Way through the weekend, with the wind springing up again, becoming much more noticeable by Monday. So, no change to the weather yet, no spring in sight.
4: Nice one, thanks, Wendy.
20: Nick
11: Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm
30: here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that.
26: I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's
4: that? (laughs)
10: Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you
2: don't want to do is take any risks with the capitalist's help.
30: And loads of really great music.
10: Nick
11: Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give us a call, 08459 four double five five double five. Now, campaigners are at Hitchin train station this morning protesting against cuts to services and staff on the rail network. Demonstrations are also due to be held in Stevenage and Bedford later today about ticket office closures and unstaffed stations. It comes on the 50th anniversary of the Beeching Rail report, which ushered in a new era of reduction on the railways. Well, Simon Watson commutes into London from Hitchin every day and is taking part in the protest. Simon, what's happening at the train station this morning?
31: Well, outside Hitchin train station, there's a group of about half a dozen of us, and we're um, leafleting commuters to raise awareness about the potential super peak fares, which are going to increase peak fares even more, and about the fact that the government is looking at making major cuts to ticket offices and to other staff who are maintaining the railway and making sure that it's a safe place to travel on. What's your connection with the rails? Do Do you work there? Do you use it? I'm a daily commuter in from Hitchin. Um, I I travel in from Hitchin to King's Cross on a daily basis and use the railway as that. And there's a number of other people here, some of whom are commuters, some of whom are local people, including from the local Labour Party, who are outside supporting the Action for Rail campaign. How, How many protesters are there this morning? There's six of us outside Hitchin at the moment, and as you say, there's a number of others in other Hertfordshire stations and across the country.
8: Are, are
4: people interested, Simon? Because the, the last time there was a, a, a protest outside rail stations, I think a month or so ago, there didn't seem to be that much interest. Not many people turned up and not many people took the leaflets.
31: Well, I have to say, so I think there's been about two people that have refused the leaflets and about hundred that have taken them so far. There's been uh, everyone, they can see the banner, they can see the big, um, the big ticket saying there's potentially cuts to your rail service and your fares are going up, and we're getting a, a fantastic reaction. How could
4: the future cuts affect you personally, Simon? What, what would it mean for, for your journey?
31: Well, what I'm concerned about is the fact that rail fares have gone up year after year. They went up on average another 4.2% last year. There's talk of increase of introducing this super peak rail fare, and there's potentially 20,000 job losses. Now, some people might think that's just making some savings, but that's going to mean ticket offices are being closed, there's fewer maintenance staff. And even just this year, there's been you know day, several days at a time when the rail well has been shut, when there's been bus replacement services, because it hasn't been properly maintained, there's been maintenance problems. Now, if we're, people are paying £3,500 a, a year to go in from Hitchin to London every day, you should at least be able to sit down on a train, and uh, most of the time I have to stand, and you should also be um, given a real service.
4: I think some of the, some of the recent um, closures would, 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 could be. Network Rail could argue they were, were down to, to acts of God with some of the, the cables coming down. You think that's down to poor maintenance? Do you?
31: Well, I think if you have a, a well maintained rail service, then it's much less likely to have problems occurring to it, and it'll have more resilience built into it. If there if there is adverse weather conditions um, and and so forth.
4: Do we need do we need as as many ticket staff because all of these these uh, train stations now they they're automated with these fantastic machines where you type in your destination and you put your card in and you get your ticket I mean, it, it's quicker and more efficient isn't it
31: it, it is, yeah, and I think it's very good having those automated machines. One of the things about having staff ticket stations is that if something goes wrong, there's actually somebody there to help you, and also in some of the smaller stations especially, it means there's some actual person who's visible on the station at night or early in the morning if, if, if people are, have any safety concerns or if they want any, any help. So I think in terms of the people's sort of safety and security when they're travelling and their feeling of safety and security it's very important as well.
4: Simon, I appreciate your time. Go back to handing out your leaflets. It's Simon Watson who's protesting outside Hitchin Station uh, this morning. If you were there this morning, if you've taken one of these leaflets or if you've seen the protest, do give us a call. Going now to Phil Marsh, who's from Milton Keynes, editor of rail.co.uk, former network rail executive who started work on the railways at Hitchin Booking Office in 1973. I believe you're on a train as we speak, Phil, is that correct?
8: I am,
30: and we've probably got about
4: two minutes before I lose you. Okay, well, uh, well let's well, let's see it. Let's get, crack on with this. Do you agree with the unions? They need to protest to highlight planned cuts to services and jobs.
30: No, there are no planned cuts to the services. And when I started at Hitchin forty years ago, there were two trains an hour. The first one was up past five in the morning, and I'll, I'll carry on manfully. And. The, you know now you've probably got four trains an hour the trains run earlier the first one's just after four in the morning the trains run later that means you have a reduced maintenance period available to network rail which is, is, is why the wires come down sometimes and there has to be a trade-off and you know the 20,000 job cuts that is just not right where i do agree with your uh, other guest is that the ticket machines because at at bulldog station where i still travel to quite a lot um Probably a third of the times i by just buy a ticket there, they've been out of order. So that is not good. Now, you know, it hits in network Rail are spending 25 million quid on the viaduct, which will help uh, punctuality and reliability for the trains going over Cambridge Junction to Cambridge. The trains are newer, they're longer, and we are very, very safe. The alternative is to go on the A1M, and that's not really palatable,
4: either is it. But we, I, I know that the longer trains are hopefully coming in at some point, but we, we did hear, just hear there that um, uh, people are having to stand, that prices are going up above the rate of inflation. It, the, the, the
30: commuter is suffering, aren't they? The commuters are suffering, yes, and, and there's no doubt about that. However, the super peak fare, the other guests referred to, that has been abandoned. It's one of the more ridiculous ideas of the McNulty report. And when you take in the cost of motoring and you include tax insurance, tyres, parking and the rest of it, the, the rail fare is about the same. So, But shouldn't, you know, the, rail, shouldn't
4: the rail fare be cheaper than, than travelling by car? That should
30: be the big selling point, shouldn't it? It should be, and it is in the off-peak. But if you reduce the fares or keep them down, the trains will get even more crowded, uh, and it will just become self defeating because you never generate enough revenue. And that was one of the aspects that Beecham looked at in reducing the fares to attract more customers. And it, it hasn't worked. And, and believe me, my 40 years on the railway, it doesn't work
4: we've got to end it there. Phil Marsh, thank you very much indeed. 08459 four double five five double five. Well, I'm here every weekday, 6 till 9, uh, and uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith takes over at 9 o'clock. I was bigging him up in an interview I did for the Radio Times yesterday. Oh, yes, I bigged him up. I bigged him up. Well, he's he's got a cracking show uh, this morning, and he's carrying on what we've been talking about, about the 14-year-old girl who was found dead at a house in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Officers discovered the body when they responded to a report of a number of dogs being out of control. Well, this morning, JVS will be asking, should people be limited to one dog? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. You can email him jvs show at bbc.co.uk. One of the things we're talking about this morning is the changes to benefits that take place next week. The bedroom tax, where you'll uh, lose some of your housing benefit if you've got one or more spare rooms. Michelle's from Aylesbury. Morning, Michelle. Hiya.
32: How,
4: how does this affect you?
32: Um, well, it affects my mum, not me. She's um, in a two-bedroom house. And, um, and it's just
4: her living on her own, is it? Yes. So it is. she could lose fourteen percent of uh, of her housing benefit. Yeah, that's right. correct. Okay.
32: And they've t- she's I mean she's more than willing to move, um, but there isn't any one bedrooms suitable for her disability because she was going to be putting in for a stay and put grant to get alterations to make it more suitable for her. There isn't a suitable property available for her, and they've told her that really the. Unless she pays the difference, she's got to move to one room in a shared house well, we've, we've at been years of age.
4: We've been um, hearing this morning that councils have access to a discretionary fund where they yeah, can help more um, vulnerable my mum's
32: applied for that. Um, the actual housing association involved came round, went through all that, and she's not heard anything in response. She's been back in touch with the lady and um, basically been told that, It's not available for her. And this is somebody that has mental health issues and has um, learning disabilities and actual physical health problems as well.
4: How's your mum feeling about this?
32: Um, Awful. I mean, she's in two minds as to whether just totally give up. And that's the problem with people with mental health issues. They will just turn around and try and give up rather than deal with it and cope with it because they can't afford their heating, They can't afford their food already. You know, I take meals down to my mum sometimes because she's run out of money.
4: So how is your mum going to pay for this?
32: I've got no idea, I suppose. I mean, in the meantime, I suppose it comes down to me and my husband subbing her.
4: Michelle, I really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch with you if that's OK and follow situations with your mum as they develop. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, uh, you had a call there worrying times for her mum who's, who's various disabilities do you have sympathy for someone in that situation 08459 455555 facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or you can send me a text 81333 start your text 3CR do put your name on please put your name on your text otherwise I won't read them out quite strict on that let's get the travel news now here's Sophie
9: and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: Heading south on the A1 through Biggleswade, it is still queuing at the moment with one lane closed between the London Road at Biggleswade South and the A1M at Junction 10. One lane closed there due to recovery, which is being rained on an earlier accident. The London Bound on the M1, also still heavy, between 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne. And anti-clockwise is slow on the M25, between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Again, slow between 16 at the M40 and 17 at Maple Cross as well. 15 minutes worth of delays there. Everything else, though, not looking too bad, a little bit slow. Still on the A1 at the Barnet Bypass, the A10 at the Great Cambridge Road. Also a little bit busy, but nothing that's going to hold you up for too long. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Coming
4: up in the next hour, more on this dog story. Would you trust your dogs with other people. 08459 four double five five double five, And these
9: staffies, they're very ugly, aren't they? Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
11: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, a Milton Keynes woman says she'll sell her body not to be homeless, 14-year-old dies in a dog attack, and protests at train stations across beds, hearts and books. BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Milton Keynes is contemplating selling her body illegally in order to avoid ending up homeless because of changes to housing benefit. It helps those on a low income to pay all or part of their rent. So if you have a spare room in your home, then your benefit will be cut by 14%. If you have two or more free, then it increases to 25%. Kathleen Oates from Bean Hill explains the lengths she'd go to to pay for her rent. It's going to be something that I'm, again, probably coming an escort
7: or um, I'd go to a loan shark to get a loan to basically to
0: keep me above water. Well, the National Housing Federation says almost 2,000 people will be affected in central Bedfordshire, with around 1,700 in Milton Keynes. Claire Asprey is from the organisation. She says most of the people affected don't have an option to move.
24: They have adaptations, they need a home for a carer, they need the space for um, the, yeah, other mm. caring mm. responsibilities. And in those cases, we don't think that this is a fair or even a very good way of saving the government money.
0: Turning to other news this morning then, and farmers across Beds Hearts and Bucks say they're dealing with the worst weather conditions they've seen in the last 30 years. It follows severe flooding and one of the wettest summers on record last year. Well, Tabby Beasley farms at Hanslope. She says nobody wants their livelihood to be put under threat.
1: It's a very difficult time. We're quite fortunate we haven't got any debt, but if you're renting land you can be losing uh, an awful lot of money if you haven't got your lambs or if the lambs are dying you're going to be losing an awful lot of money that you were sort of relying on if your lambing is a big part of your business if the lambs are dying they're not going to get any income from it so it's it's another hit on farming
0: a 14-year-old girl has died after being attacked by dogs in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Police say Jade Anderson was found, along with five dogs, which were said to be aggressive and out of control. Four animals were killed by armed police. Mick Martin from Bedford is from the BBC's Dog Postal.
21: It all depends on their surroundings. I think what happened, uh, the tragic incident again, was probably due to it being some out-of-control pack. And then the question's got to be, Is why would you want a pack of animals in your house?
0: Now, if you're travelling by train today, beware. Protests are due to be held at train stations in Bedford, Hitchin, and Stevenage. It's against cuts to the railways. The demonstrations across the country come on the 50th anniversary of the Beeching rail report, which brought in a reduction on the rail network. Mark Dykes is from TUC Action for Rail.
2: We're going to be meeting and greeting passengers, giving them postcards that they, they can send to their MPs, saying that they they want to see staff on their trains, they want to see staff in their ticket offices and at their stations, and they don't want to see cutbacks to the the staff who are doing critical safety work on maintenance and signalling.
0: Moving on to sport now, England missed the opportunity to take control of their World Cup qualifying group when they squandered the lead and had to settle for a one-all draw. Wayne Rooney headed in a corner just after six minutes, but sustained second-half pressure by Montenegro. They equalised 13 minutes from the end. Weather then mainly dry today, a few little odd sunny periods around, but biting breeze out. Temperatures three degrees Celsius. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news.
4: Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hope you're well. Lots coming up this morning, including... Big changes to housing benefit come into effect next week. Three counties' residents fear they could be made homeless because of the so-called, in inverted commas, bedroom tax. Well, I'll be speaking to MidBeds MP Nadine Dorris to find out out what she thinks people should do. And this weather! Oh, I've had enough of it! It's too cold! Well, I'm fed up of it, and, and so are farmers they've told this program they're dealing with the worst conditions in 30 years well we'll hear from a sheep farmer in Hanslope near Milton Keynes to find out how she's coping and it's hoped it'll soon be easier for students from Milton Keynes College to find a job we've sent Justin Dealey over there to find out exactly why lots of ways to get in touch, you can of course go to the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR you can send me uh, a, a text 81333 start your text 3CR, or look I have a completely free switchboard this morning. 08459 four double five five double five.
11: BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Very quickly, just to flag this up, a bit later on in the show, we're talking about this, this story, this tragic story, of uh, this young lady, Jade Lomas Anderson, who was uh, killed by four dogs. We're, we're asking two questions, I guess, really, this morning, on, on, on the back of this. Would you trust your dogs with other people? And the other thing, I'm looking at these dogs now, an American Bulldog, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier and a Bull Mastiff. They are very, very ugly dogs. Why on earth would you want such unattractive dogs? I'm going to say it, normally the blokes you see walking down the street with these dogs, they're of a certain type. They're their, wearing their jogging bottoms on very low. I'd imagine it's an extension of their tiny willy. It's got to be, hasn't it? They're ugly, ugly dogs. Why on earth would you want a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, a Bull Mastiff, or an American Bulldog? 08459 four double five five double five. Now, people in the three counties fear they could end up homeless as a result of changes to housing benefit, which helps those on a low income to pay all or part of their rent. Under the bedroom tax, as critics have described it, families of working age who under-occupy their property will have their housing benefit cut by 14% if you've got one spare room and 25% for two or more spare rooms. Well, according to the National Housing Federation, almost 2,000 people will be affected in central Bedfordshire, around 1,700 in Milton Keynes, and just under 15 in Luton. Christine Cullerton from Shefford is one of those worried that she could end up homeless. She spoke to our reporter, Tony Fisher.
23: My main concerns are that what the government seems to be saying is I have chosen to live in a property that's too big for my needs um, and that I expected taxpayers to pay the rent for me. So it was a conscious decision to move here on the expectation that Other people would pay the rent for me. And that's not what I'd planned at all.
5: Just going back, you were in a three-bed property, which was a protected tenancy. Yes. You thought, this is going back, what, a year or so ago? Two
23: years.
5: Two years ago. You thought, three-bed, I'm a one single person, that's too big for me. Voluntarily, out of your own will, you chose to move to a smaller property, to this two-bed property. Yes. And now you're being hit with these housing benefit changes.
23: So my options are to move to a one-bedroomed property. And my concern with that is that the stress of moving from three-bedroomed to 2 bedroom property brought on the symptoms of my illness and made me unable to work.
5: Your ME. Yes.
23: So whether that would trigger the symptoms again and put me back to square one.
5: So the, so the, the stress of moving from your three-bed to the to here, to the two-bed, is brought on these symptoms again. Now, you you know, you, you're unable to work. So your options are, as you say, to move to a one-bed property, but if the stress of moving to here was enough, you, you can't really do that, can you?
23: No. Uh, for, to me, that's not really an option. The last thing I want is to go back. I've battled to get... My emotional and mental health back to more or less an even kill where I'm able to manage it. The last thing I want is to go back to being bedridden again and able to do anything for myself. I like being independent, I don't like having to depend on other people.
5: So, you're going to have to bite the bullet, you're going to have to take a, uh, a 14% drop in your housing benefit. Which is the equivalent, you say, to around £15 a week? Yes,
23: yes. So you're going
5: to have to pay £15 a week just for the the pleasure of living in this small, albeit small, two-bed two bed house?
23: Yes, okay. which is going to be really difficult. Initially, I thought I would be able to do that, and I was prepared to try to do that, and I had hoped to be back working either part-time, ideally full-time. I'm now... Having to face up to the fact that that is not going to be possible. But my concern, my other concern is if I choose to stay here and pay the extra myself, if I then fall into arrears and get into financial difficulty, the housing association will have no authority or responsibility to rehouse me. I will be deemed as making myself intentionally homeless.
5: How do you feel about
23: very, that? Very worrying. It's just. I try not to think about it too much because then the worry and the stress bring on my symptoms again and I'm just back to square one. So I try not to think about it. But the closer the 1st of April gets the more worried I'm becoming.
4: Well, that was our reporter, Tony Fisher, speaking to Christine Cullerton from Shefford. Listening to that was the MP for Midbeds, Nadine Doris. Or maybe she wasn't, I don't know. She was due to come on and speak about it, but we can't get hold of her. Nadine, if you're listening, give us a call, 08459 455 555. I'm sure it was arranged for this time in the morning. But someone who was listening to that is Janet from Great Hormie. Good morning, Janet. Good morning. Well, what's your take on, on all of these changes to the benefit and, and this reduction in housing benefit? What
33: if they're going to do it? They should do it for everybody, um, not um, section out certain members of this society, like the elderly. If they're going to do it, do it for everybody, because we've got a man that lives in our road, that has yeah. got a four-bedroom house, and three of his bedrooms are free.
4: And he's, not fair. He's a pensioner, is he? Yes. Yeah. So you think, because the pensioners are excluded at the moment, you think, hang on, it's mainly the old people that are living in these big empty houses. They should be roped into this as well.
33: Exactly. Why do you think that they've been excluded, Janet? Because of their age and because they're elderly. You know, it's discrimination then, isn't it, against the disabled? You know, at the end of the day, I think this tax is going to come down and bite our government completely on the backside, and they'll... I think in a year or two years it'll be revoked.
4: They're going to save a heck of a lot of money on the back of this and and everyone's having to make cuts. We're all in this
33: together, Janet. Exactly. No, but we're not though, are we? We're not all in it together because they're already sectioning a part of our country, our society, that the elderly don't pay.
4: But there are some people who might say, come on, Janet, let's... The, the elderly, listen, they're struggling enough. They don't get much pension. They're, they're, they're you know, possibly living lonely lives. Well, why, Let's give them some break. Let them stay in their homes that they could have been in for 30, 40 years.
33: Tough, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like everybody. People are talking about, like, the, the people you've had on the phone today. You'll have people that are no disabilities are not elderly, and so they'll say, well, tough, they've got to pay it. Well, thank for the elderly. You know, they should be freeing up these big houses with extra bedrooms rather than picking on the disabled.
4: Janet, it's an interesting point you put forward. Let me put that out there, because I do know we have a lot of uh, um, older people, shall we say, heritage listeners, I think we can call them, uh, listening to the show this morning. Well, you've heard there from Janet. She thinks it's discrimination and it's unfair. And that you pensioners, living in your big four-bedroom houses on your own, that you should be involved in this as well. You should get 14% taken off your housing benefit if you've got um, an extra room. 25% if you've got two or more rooms. You should be affected by the bedroom tax. What do you think? Do you agree with her? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We had a, a, a spoke to a gentleman earlier on who suggested the reason that the elderly are excluded from this is because they're Tory voters, and there's a lot of them. And if they were included in this, well, then David Cameron will be out on his ear. What do you think? If you're a, an older person, a Heritage listener. How do you react to what what Janet's saying? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And if, if if you're not, if you are yourself affected by uh, the bedroom tax, do you agree that it, it actually it is a bit unfair that that ordinary people, ordinary and in inverted commas, what does that mean? Ordinary people, disabled people, families—they're all affected, but older people, pensioners—they're not. Janet was saying, there's a fella in her street, street, old guy, lives in a house, got four bedrooms. Is that fair? Shouldn't he be made to downsize? Think of the family that could fill that. Think of the fun a family could have filling a four-bedroom house. Wonderful. Oh eight four five nine 555. Also, can you call in and explain to me why on earth you would have an American Bulldog, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, or a Bull Mastiff? Where's the pleasure... In owning that. Pets should be relaxing, they should be a a, a member of the family, they should be a joy to have. I'm looking at these dogs. There's no joy there, there's no love there. They're horrible, aggressive, rough-looking things. Let's be honest, they're owned by a certain type of person. A person who's making up for inadequacies elsewhere. 08459 oh, five, 455 double, 555. Double, can you defend the American bulldog, the Staffy Bull Terrier and the Bull Mastiff? I don't think you can. 08459 oh, five, 455 double, 555. Double, Let's get the travel news now. Let's go a Sophie Tyler.
9: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: Heading south on the A1 through Wade, it is still queuing at the moment and one lane is closed between London Road at Biggleswade South and uh, the A1 M at Junction 10 and the Barnet Bypass heading south still queuing as well between the Watford Bypass and Mill Hill Circus and the A10 Great Cambridge Road southbound through Enfield looking a little bit tricky at the moment between uh, Baltimore Lane and Southbury Road A404 that's Marlow Hill as well heading into High Wycombe also looking a little bit busy at the moment. Now anti-clockwise on the M25 still heavy between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield And again delays of 17 at Maple Cross And 16 at the M40 Delays set of around 15 minutes Everything else not looking too bad at the moment Seems to be moving fairly nicely on the trains Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Sophie
4: It's 8:15. It's Wednesday, the 27th of March. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People in the Three Counties fear they may end up homeless as a result of changes to housing benefits. Campaigners at Hitchin train station are protesting against cuts to the railways. There'll be other protests at Bedford and Stevenage later on. In sport, Watford striker Matej Vidra scored twice for the Czech Republic in their 3-0 victory in Armenia. The weather today for Beds Hearts and Bucks mostly dry with some sunny periods at time. It'll be another very cold day with a biting breeze. Maximum temperature 3 degrees. Coming up, farmers are telling us they've told uh, uh, farmers are telling us that they're dealing with the worst conditions in 30 years. Before 8:30, we'll hear from a sheep farmer in Hanslope near Milton Keynes to find out how she's coping with the bad weather.
11: BBC Three Counties Radio. What's
15: your name? Clara. Original British drama on BBC One. Clara Who.
17: Doctor Who.
15: Oh, dangerous question. What's
17: wrong with dangerous?
15: The doctor's back, but who is Clara Oswald? The same woman
17: twice, and
15: she died both times. She's rather crazy, isn't she? She's not possible. Clara, Clara, please tell me
5: what is happening. Right then, Clara Oswald, time to find out who you are. Doctor Who returns
15: Saturday at 6:15 on BBC One and BBC One HD.
4: Yeah,
2: don't listen to the radio. Watch the television instead. Don't listen to the radio, watch the television. No, no, no. Don't, don't be like that. <laughs> As we speak, yes. BBC One yes. have an advert running for your programme.
4: <gasps> really? Right now? That's why yes. I never see it? Yes. Oh, d- that's wonderful. During the breakfast show and just before, Home's Under the Hammer. Cross-pollination, I think it's called, across mm. the BBC. Fantastic. You're looking a little bit grey this morning, are you all right? A little bit grey? Yeah, you've not You've not am wearing any... my lilac top. Facially. You've oh. not had any time off for about <laughs> well, two weeks, maybe. Maybe you should take another three weeks off or something.
2: You should. You... Well, it's funny you say that. I yes. was looking at Frigelliana last night on the internet. I was thinking, well, shall I take off a, a week in Frigaliana at any point soon? Unbelievable! It's very expensive this year. I blame myself. Sorry, I've been talking about Frigaliana for so long. I think everyone picked it up. The book here. I keep getting phone calls from people saying, "Yeah, can I talk to Jonathan off air? I just want to find out whereabouts in Frigaliana should I
8: stay." <laughs>
4: I'm not Thomas Cook. You should, never, you should never tell them where you're really going on holiday. No. Because they'll want to come. Hey, listen, <clears throat> I did a, an interview, an exclusive interview for the Radio Times. I heard you mention this. Yes, they, I was asked to list my three uh, least favourite presenters. <laughs> you were one, two and three. No, I, I, I was asked to name my, my favourite presenters. I, I named you and Clive Bull, both of whom I think are... Me and Clive Bull? Yes, both of whom I think are, are wonderful presenters. My
2: word. Yes, I I'm done. up there with Clive Bull. Yes. Gosh, the voice of London. <laughs> 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 he's good, Clive. I like, I he's like Clive, yes. He's a legend. I think he's brilliant. I'll tell you what I used to like yep. on that station. Well, apart from you, Mike Dickin. <sighs> oh, you love Mike Dickin. I love yes, Mike Dickin. Yes. Absolutely love Mike Dickin. He
4: was, he was good, wasn't he? he My health was... not in question. <laughs> <laughs> he would cut you off if you said um, basically or at the end of the day. Yes, absolutely. Basically, at the end of the day. Right, I'm cutting you off. <laughs> well, there's only question. Uh, he, was, he was good.
2: Uh, Sadly departed.
4: Yes, I know. Terrible way to go as well. Anyway, on, on that downer, huh? it's... Uh, more. To, you've got a, you're following on one of the stories we've been talking about this morning. Yes. front page of a lot of the papers. I
2: was, as I was driving in this morning, I was very, very interested in your conversation with uh, dog trainer Mick Martin... Oh, he's got it in for me, Mick Martin. Yeah, for more reason. What have you said about Mick Martin, then? I don't know. He's referred...
4: If you missed it, Mick Martin uh, presents Dog Borstal or something, and he's ref- he picked me up on something I said about him on a show 13 years ago. I was mm. doing... It was when E4 was a new channel, and Channel 4 showed the best bits, and I did the voiceover for
2: it. I have no idea. It You've was 13 years obviously ago. Obviously, said something. Something that's very him. rude. I'm glad he's holding a grudge. He's, uh, he's a very nice guy, Mick. But you won't mess with him. Well,
4: I've, I've messed with him. Apparently, Mick, if you're listening, I, I, I genuinely—I was a different person back then. It was the booze talking. <laughs> I send my, my sincerest apologies to you, Mick. Please don't set your, your staffy on me. <laughs> well, we
2: won't be talking about that particular aspect. Oh, of okay, the that's this phone no, okay. That's not your phone in. No, that's not the big phone yes. in. But I am going to be asking: Should people be limited to one dog? Tributes ah, yes. have been paid. to... To the 14 year old girl who's died after being attacked by a pack of dogs, Jane, uh, Jade Anderson was found alone with five of the animals, which were said to be aggressive and out of control, in a house she was visiting in Atherton in Greater Manchester yesterday afternoon. Well, this morning you were speaking to dog trainer McMartin, who asked the question why would anyone want a pack of animals? in their house. That's a very good question. Well, from Nine this morning, I want us to explore this particular angle. I mean, dangerous dogs and the dog attacks, it's a story that just won't go away. But let's explore this particular side of it from Nine. Should people be limited to one dog? Do you think people who, frankly, have a whole load of dogs, they're asking for trouble? Your view, if you, have a, if you have one dog, if you have more than one dog, do you think it does make a difference? 08459 four double five five double five. it's the big phone-in. Should people be limited to one dog this morning from nine? People do say, oh, my, yeah, my dog needs a friend. I don't, think, I don't think dogs work like that, do they? They don't... It, they're not friends if they're hanging out together. Well, I don't know. You see, I have members of my family mm. that have a whole group of dogs and they do refer to them as oh it's nice because they have some friends whether it's necessary or whether it's just in the human mind that animals need a friend whether actually all you're doing is as mcmartin suggested earlier creating a pack of hounds Mm. in your house and why on earth would you want to create a pack of animals that in a pack can be far more dangerous than they would be on their own why would anyone want that in a kind of residential home environment We'll hear your views from nine.
4: Oh, eight, four, five, 9. four double five five double five
11: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Farmers in Bed, Tarts and Bucks have told this programme they are dealing with the worst weather conditions they've seen in the last 30 years. If you've been watching the news, you'll have seen footage of sheep being rescued from the snow, flooded fields. Well, the snow and freezing temperatures couldn't have come at a worse time following one of the wettest summers on record, record. Our reporter, Ewan Duncan, has been to meet Tabby Beasley at a farm in Hanslope near Milton Keynes to find out how sheep farmers are coping.
1: Just picked up these two lambs. The mother's had four lambs, so she's not going to be able to cope with all four of them. So we're going to take these two in they're very cold they're not going to survive out tonight so what we'll do is we'll bring them into the house bring them into the kitchen and i'll get them wrapped in a towel with a hot water bottle and we'll try and tube feed them if they're too weak which looks quite possible we'll put a tube directly into their stomach and give them some warm milk directly into their stomach and that should keep them going they'll take about an hour and a half to warm up by my lovely Rayburn and hopefully within the next sort of 24 hours we'll be able to put them in a pen in a warmer part of the barn. How lovely often
15: have you had to do this?
1: Um, this year we've done it three four times um, but every year we get a couple you know for some reason or another but this year we've only just started amming, and I've already done it four times so it looks like we're going to have a bad year and a very messy kitchen.
15: What's the scale of the problems for farmers at the moment?
1: well having just got over the fact that we've been very badly flooded and the arable side of things is having a difficult time getting crops in the ground we've then had the Schmellenberg virus in the cattle and the early lambing we seem to have just got over that now and now we're dealing with this with the bad weather and the lambs just aren't surviving we're not as bad here as in some parts of the country where they're having to actually dig the ewes and the lambs out from snow but lambs are definitely going to be a smaller number of lambs available this year than we've had in previous years
15: and the lambs you've got here, you're having to bottle feed.
1: I am having to bottle feed them, yes. So um, we've got lamb replacement colostrum, we've got uh, milk powder for them, we've got some um, the lamb version of of Aid if they get very dehydrated, um, and all of that will take up an awful lot of time because it's like having a newborn baby. You know, they, they take up all your time and effort. You've got to keep them constantly under supervision, keep them warm, keep them fed.
4: Andrew Watts is a farmer in Hertfordshire and chairs the NFU's combinable crops board good morning andrew good morning how bad is it what's what's your farm been like well
12: this part of the country perhaps hasn't been as
4: affected as some others but nevertheless
12: we're 20 percent down on our wheat area that we plan to drill um so that's 20 percent less wheat in the ground we can plant other crops this spring but look at the weather around you you know these crops should have been in the ground but more importantly the stuff that we did sow in the autumn is just not growing It's just too cold. I mean, if you look around your gardens, you'll see nothing's growing. It's the same in the fields, and time's slipping away.
4: Is it a crisis for UK farming in general?
12: Crisis is quite a strong word, but I I think it it is extremely difficult. What we needed more than anything after the difficulties of last summer was a kind spring, a spring where we could actually get on the ground and have a bit of warmth and a bit of growth. You you know, the, the weather can do very strange things, but already we're not in a good place for this harvest.
4: Isn't this... that There are some people who might argue this is, this is part of the job, Andrew. It, it, it's a gamble against the weather.
12: I quite agree, and farming always, has always been like that. Um, but I think... I mean, in the time that I've been farming, which is over 30 years, um, I have never seen such a continued spell of weather that has adversely affected what we're trying to do.
4: What have other farmers been saying to you?
12: Pretty much the same as I've told you. You know, they really need what we call the rub of the green just to get back on track. In many people's minds, they've written off Harvest 2013 as making the best of a bad job and true farmers' uh, optimism. We're looking forward to getting back on track for Harvest 2014. And is there
4: anything you can do differently for next year?
12: Um, That's a very good question. It depends on whether you think this is abnormal weather or the extremely changeable weather we've had in the last few years the extremes of dry extremes of wet um perhaps not very hot but certainly extremes of cold whether that is now what we can get used to expecting if so we need to sort of take a look at our farming systems and try and have things in place that are a bit more reliable but i haven't got
4: i haven't got those answers for you today i'm afraid andrew watts thank you very much
11: this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio
4: Terrible story that JVS is uh, picking up about this young lady that was uh, mauled to death by four dogs: uh, American Bulldog, Staffy, Bull Terrier, and the Bull Mastiff. They're flipping ugly dogs.
34: Why? Why would
4: you want a dog like that? Lee's from Luton. Morning, Lee.
34: Hi. Um, yeah, just picking up on what you said earlier. Yes. About the dogs, I think you just, it's quite a horrible thing to say about the staffs so or any breed of dog. You yeah. know, it's, <laughs> they're it's ugly, they're, ugly dog. they're ugly dogs. They're ugly dogs. If you're just saying it just to get a rise out of people, fair enough. No, I, I, I'm but saying it, I don't... I don't you think that they're aggressive, naturally aggressive dogs, they're not.
4: Well, Lee, didn't say that, and I, I listen, I, I'm not one of those kind of people that says things just to get a rise. I, I'm allowed to kind of pretty much say what I want within certain parameters. I think they're ugly dogs. I didn't say they were aggressive. I said, uh, uh, they look ugly. Why would anyone want that in your house?
34: <sighs> That's just your opinion. Yeah. Of them being ugly, but I personally don't think they're ugly, and I think that you're... Helping the stereotype of what people think about these dogs, and I think it's out of order.
4: What What joy do they bring you?
34: He's a very loving dog. He's a very loving dog. He's really affectionate. He's great around children. He's very you gentle around ch- small children. Leave,
4: you leave you do you leave a him
34: around, dog. Do you leave him around children? No, you don't leave any dog around children. It's not the point. Lee, I'm asking.
4: You just said he's... You, uh, listen, don't, I don't quite know why you're being so defensive. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out more. Um, what you just is, said...
34: I'm upset at what you said earlier, because okay. I just think it's not a very nice thing to say about something. What, that, you they... know, he was in a rescue centre for over a year, right. Right. you know, and they've got Labradors in and out there and coming back because they've got things like Labradors that are more aggressive than what that, what he is.
4: I didn't. But Lee, I didn't say they were aggressive. I said they were ugly. You're you're hearing something I didn't say, and then you mentioned the fact that that he's very good around children, and I, and I it was a natural question to ask: Do you leave your dog with children?
34: No, because I don't have kids. I'm just saying, if we go to visit people with children, he looks okay. very good around them. So,
4: but so the dog has had interaction with children. Yeah, yeah. And do you not worry that because a dog is um, it's domesticated, but there's still that canine instinct, do you not worry that the, the, the child could do something to scare or upset your dog and then the dog could turn?
34: But that's with any dog. That's why they exactly. say you don't leave any dog exactly unsupervised with a small child.
4: Okay, but even supervised, it could still turn on a no, small child couldn't not,
34: it? not if you've trained the dog properly and you're in control of the situation you, the dog should know that you're the master and what yeah. you say goes the dog should know that people that are too people that are too soft on their dogs.
4: Yeah. the dog should uh, know that and the it, dog run the
34: home yeah. they're the dogs that you get the problems okay. with
4: the dog should know that lee but if a dog gets that red mist and goes wild it won't you and how do you know that
34: because if it's trained properly, and, yeah, okay. I'll put head, the, question and the dog's again. calm in his head, yeah. then he won't, get those, he won't have those problems. It's only I'll dogs that are unstable and they're treated badly that I'll get, you get the, those problems.
4: I'll put the question again, Lee, because you don't, as you said earlier, you don't know. Uh, you, you wouldn't leave the dog alone with the child, so you don't know what it could do. And if a child scares it, or hits it, or pulls its tail, or pokes its eye, as kids do...
34: That well, I've dog... seen dogs put up with that all day long. Okay. It's to do with how the dog's treated and how the dog knows its place in well, in the
4: home. You you do hear stories about dogs that have attacked, and we've got to move on in a second, this the final point, but you, the dogs that have attacked, and their owner's going, but, you know, he's so well trained, He, what, I don't understand it, a dog yeah, is a wild animal. Uh,
34: it, it's probably their misconception because they, lots of people think that when you come okay. into a home and a dog's jumping up and they think it's all pleased to see you, right. it's not, it's because it's showing its dominance.
4: Okay, and you're, you, you, so you're, you're completely confident that your dog yeah, would stop 100%. attacking? Yeah, 100%. Okay, Lee, thank you very it much would, for your time indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. a little bit later than usual, let's get the travel news now with Sophie Tyler.
9: and Bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: Still queuing at the moment, heading south on the A1 through Biggles Wade, and one lane is closed as well. It's just between the London Road and the A1M at Junction 10. Now the A10, that's uh, still looking fairly slow southbound through Enfield on the Great Cambridge Road between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road and the Barnet Bypass also still queuing between the Watford Bypass and Mill Hill Circus. clockwise on the M25, stop start between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10, and also still looking at delays between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. They were looking like we have delays on first capital connect at the moment around the three bridges heading towards east croydon following the earlier broken down train so do check before you travel this morning sophie tyler bbc three counties radio
4: thank you sophie let's get the news and sport now here's serena farrow
9: getting beds hearts and bugs talking
10: this is bbc
0: three counties radio Good morning, a woman from Milton Keynes is contemplating selling her body illegally in order to avoid ending up homeless. It's because of changes to housing benefit which come into force next week. Farmers in beds, hearts and books say they're dealing with the worst weather conditions they've seen in the last 30 years. Elsewhere, a 14-year-old girl's died after being attacked by dogs in Atherton in Greater Manchester. Stay listening to hear more on this story as the JVS show will be asking should people be limited to just one dog? All that from nine o'clock. And campaigners at Hitchin train station are protesting against cuts to the railways. There'll also be others at Bedford and Stevenage later on. That's the news. Now let's get up to date with all the morning sport.
9: Eds, Hearts and Bucks Sports, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: So, chances of England being included in next year's World Cup finals look slim. It's after they could only draw one all in Montenegro last night. Wayne Rooney headed in a corner after just six minutes, but Montenegro brought an equaliser thirteen minutes from the end. Here's midfielder Michael Carrick.
34: Disappointed, really. I think we were um, in
21: control of the match for, for large spells, especially in the first half, and we needed the second goal. Really, you know, if we had the second goal. and we had chances, opportunities, um, and a good claim for a penalty. So um, we knew that you know they'd give it a go, second half, and come at us. But we was still disappointed
34: being not to, to take the point.
0: Let's have a look at the other World Cup qualifiers then. And Watford striker Matej Vidra played his part for the Czech Republic in their 3-0 victory in Armenia. He found the back of the net twice. Meanwhile, Wales are now fourth in Group A after losing 2-1 to Croatia. And Scotland's awful campaign also continued as they were beaten 2-0 in Serbia. So ahead of schedule then locally, Luton Town's conference match against Ebb's fleet was postponed yesterday. But all the other local games went ahead in the Conference North. Hertfordshire side, Bishop Stortford beat Workington 3-2. In the Southern League Premier Division, R.C. and Bedfordshire overcame Redditch 3-0 and Hemel Hempstead won 4-2 against Bashley. Looking ahead to tonight then in the Conference South and Boreham Wood are at Billeriki. Moving on to tennis and Andy Murray's through to the quarterfinals of the Miami Masters. He beat Andreas Seppi 6-2, 6-4. But the world number one's out. Novak Djokovic lost in straight cest to Stoijas and it was quite an excuse he had for losing.
5: One of the coldest conditions. It's quite cold and basically no air in the balls and a low bounce, which which is more suitable to his style of the game. Mm.
0: BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at nine. Oh, what a load
5: of old nonsense.
4: Oh, it's cold.
0: I know. Get on with it. it. I was playing out last night in it, you know, minus three, whatever it was.
4: You you didn't make up an excuse, did you? You're, You're awful at tennis. Yeah, whatever. Oh dear.
0: I'll give you game. beds, hearts, and barks.
11: This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Coming up for Jonathan Vernon Smith at nine o'clock. It's hoped it'll soon be easier for students from Milton Keynes College to find a job. Well, Justin Dealey will be explaining all later on. He's been all over the shop this morning. He's been a busy boy. But back to this story. It's on the front page of all the newspapers. Well, uh, most of the newspapers. Uh, anyway, sad story about uh, Jade Lomas Anderson, 14-year-old go- schoolgirl, who was savaged to death by, uh, by, by four dogs. And I, I guess the it, it, two questions we've been asking on this show, and Jonathan's asking something slightly different after one, but the two questions we've been asking are, would you trust your dog with other people? And uh, you, uh, you can train a dog as as much as you want. It, there's still that instinct in them, isn't there there's There's still something uncontrollable about them. Oh eight four five, nine, four double five, five, double five, five. The other thing is I'm looking at these dogs here, uh, American Bulldog, Staffordshire Bull Terrier and bull mastiff. they're ugly. I mean, they're really ugly. Why would you have something like that? in your home. They're horrible, vicious things. Oh eight four five nine five double five four double five five double five. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Mike's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Mike. Uh, good morning. What, what's your take
35: on this? Uh, well, first of all, your last opinion there, your last uh, thought there, um, saying about um, vicious things, ugly, vicious things. I think that's your own opinion, obviously. OK, well, uh, and, this, and this story because, would back that up, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, to be fair, my... So it's my opinion dog... and fact. Yeah, my dog's 14 years old, and I would trust her. Although, like you said, you know, there is, there is that doubt there. it's, it's in their blood, it's, it's what they do. They're an animal. It's instinct. But I would trust my dog 100% on my life with my kids. I would leave him alone with my kids. Oh, how old are your kids? My kids, I have a three-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a 12-year-old.
4: Oh, Michael, you wouldn't leave an American bulldog with a three-year-old on its own, would you?
35: Yes, I was. yes. And you yes, just, I you, you've just You've know, you just said
4: that there's a bit of a bit, that instinct yeah. in there that you, you can't quite trust.
35: Right, I'm saying, yeah, there is. There's that instinct in all animals that you can't quite trust. But my dog itself, I do trust 100%. And well, bless, you're contradicting uh, yourself there, Michael. God bless. Yeah, I, know what, I, know, I know what I'm saying, but um, God bless his soul. I believe he would never hurt uh, anybody I've had in 40 years now. You know, my, my, when my wife, when, when my missus, she's pregnant, the dog wouldn't leave her alone. He knew she was going to have the baby. You know, when, when my little girl's ill, he's at the side of her bed. He wants to be, he wants to be there with it. He wants to protect her. He wants to guard, guard, guard her. He wants to look after her. But Mike, you've
4: contradicted yourself because you said you trust your dog a hundred percent with the three-year-old, but then you've also said that there's always that bit you can't quite trust, that there's that
35: instinct. No, I didn't say I couldn't quite trust, I said there's always that bit there in animals that you can't
4: quite trust. Yes, exactly. I trust my dog 100%. But Michael, maybe I'm not explaining myself, let let me just point out this contradiction one more time, okay? You said you trust your dog with your child 100%, but you've also said there's that bit in all animals that you can't quite trust.
35: That's right, yes. Do you but not see I the contradiction do, there? Yeah, I do see, my, I do see the contradiction. Okay. But I'm saying, I am personally, myself, do trust my dog. It's back
4: to the contradiction, Mike. We're going to move on because the, the, one of us is missing something and I'm not quite sure who it is. Uh, Byron's in Luton. Morning, Byron. Hi, Ian. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you very much. I, I don't get these dogs. Uh,
28: okay. Um, I mean, I, I have a staff I uh, got from a rescue home about three
31: years
4: you ago. You got which one? Sorry, your uh, phone dropped out.
28: Uh, sorry? You, you, your phone dropped out. What dog have you got? I, I i do have a staff I okay. thatable terrier. yep uh got from a rescue home about nearly three years ago absolutely great personality, really good with all the family, my son and his friends uh, my son's ten um really really good uh about just before the end of last year, we decided to get another dog because unfortunately, my dog is quite a needy dog <laughs> and likes company uh but we've got another staff, completely different personality, right' due tendencies. Uh, especially towards other dogs, I wouldn't leave my son in there. So I do think it is part nature and part nurture, purely because, as your previous caller said, all animals or all dogs will have that in them. And I think you have to trust the dog implicitly to be able to leave it with small children or, you know, children really in in general.
4: We get lots of comments on this on the the Facebook page, uh, Byron. Let me me read... um, uh, Keith says, uh, someone who's articulate enough to defend the breed, I owned a staffy for 15 years, he was soft as an old boot because of his training and his upbringing. However, uh, that said, I would not trust any dog with a child wholeheartedly. And it is, there is that thing, isn't there, that I don't think Mike quite quite grasped what I was trying to say, that you can train a dog, and you can trust a dog, and you can know a dog, but there is still that innate thing within a dog that you, you just don't know what they're going to do.
28: Uh, yes, I mean, I had dogs when i was younger and uh you know just your, your average mongrel and you know they can snap at you as well yeah of course um, it's it, it, like i say i think because of the type of dogs and generally the people who own that type of dog i mean i've seen other people with staffs and they really shouldn't have a dog let alone a staff because the dog's walking them and it's all about the status of it all where we decided to get a dog as a pet not as a status symbol because we wanted a
4: dog. Okay, Byron, listen, I've got to end it there. Sorry to cut you short. I hope you feel you got your point across. Oh eight four five nine 455 Just cutting you short, because I want to go to uh, Justin, because he's got a great story. It's going to be hoped it'll soon be easier for students from Milton Keynes College to find a job. The college has become the first in beds, hearts and bucks to open a job shop run by the c- recruitment agency Reed. Milton Keynes MPs recently organised a jobs fair to tackle youth unemployment in the new city. Well, our job correspondent, Justin Dealey, is at the college now. Justin, this sounds like a cracking thing to be Mm. doing,
15: what's happening? Interesting idea lots of people here, the the official launch is at 9 o'clock and you won't believe it, it's what 8.40 in the morning, there are students here and they look clean (laughs) can you believe that? No shock horror, so uh, yes uh, this job shop opening at 9 o'clock this morning here at the Milton Keynes College, Julie Mills uh, you're the principal of the college you must be delighted with this new opportunity.
6: I am, yes indeed I'm really excited to be taking this innovation forward, Um, it's a fantastic service for our students, they'll be able to get Support of Reed to help them really hone their skills in securing that job. With the support of the college, they'll have the fantastically um, trained technical and vocational skills. So putting that together means our students will be really really well placed to go out there and get those jobs in Milton Keynes.
15: It's the first locally in Beds Arts and Bucks again, you must feel very proud about that.
6: Absolutely, we're one of ten in the country of colleges that are taking forward this initiative and I think it also offers a fantastic service for employers in Milton Keynes. If they're prepared to step up to the plate and work with us, then actually we can offer. this brokerage service free to them so that they can secure the most talented young people in Milton Mm. Keynes to take their businesses forward.
15: And just lastly it's freezing cold out here whose jacket is that you're wearing? Uh, I'm
6: not sure but I might keep it thank (laughs) you. (laughs) you.
15: Lovely stuff. Uh, Also with us is Tom
16: Miller. Tom you're the director of Reeds. Milton Keynes why Milton Keynes? Um, Well as Julie said we're partnering with Milton Keynes and nine other colleges throughout uh, England and we want to partner with colleges who have a really good reputation for providing excellent teaching and learning to their students and Milton Keynes is one of those but we want to partner with colleges who also have a vision that being at college is not just about getting qualifications but it's part of a journey into work so Milton Keynes is one of those colleges who see that as their role to prepare their learners for the labour market so we're here to help them do that it's one of ten Uh, this scheme has been very successful for you but um, some of these jobs here they work be publicly advertised.
15: Now, is that unfair? A lot of people are looking for work. Why should the students get those
16: jobs and and others don't? Well, it's a fact of the labour market in the UK that lots of jobs never get advertised. So there are, in many ways, plenty of jobs out there, uh, but they are invisible to young people and others. So what we seek to do is to make those jobs visible to the learners of Milton Keynes' college and you know we were all young ones and we all need someone to give us a break and what we're trying to do is to help young people get their first break into the world of work and there are lots of employers who really value this service in terms of yes it gives them a way to see young people who are well prepared and suitable for their jobs without the employer having to screen thousands and thousands of job applications. Okay very short on time here Joanna's here Joanna you're a business student you're looking for work tell us what you're looking
15: for.
20: Um, Ideally I'd like to go into retail management Um, with any of the leading
0: retailers. Um, I'm hoping that Reed will help me develop my CV and they've already helped me with interview skills Hmm. to be able to go into that role.
16: Okay, Tom, come on, can you help her? Absolutely, Joanne is already out to interview with a very respectable retailer in Milton Keynes and we're very confident that Joanne will succeed in getting a good job. Okay, Um, just lastly, quite briefly on this as well, obviously we're talking
15: about the students today, helping them in the right direction here in Milton Keynes, but on the whole, you often hear people saying, there's no jobs out there, I can't get a job. Is that true? I mean, right
16: now, is it, is it a good time moving forward to, to try and get a job? Are there still opportunities out there for absolutely everyone? Well, the jobs market in the UK is tough. I mean, youth unemployment is high and everyone knows that, so it's tough. But our approach is you've got to be in it to win it. And and we really encourage young people at college to really get out there, get their CVs up to scratch, really have excellent interview skills. And if young people know how to present themselves to employers, employers will offer them jobs. But on the whole, if somebody says there's no jobs out there, I'm not going to try, are they just being lazy? Um, Well, it's certainly not true that there are no jobs. There are plenty of jobs. We have more jobs than we have students. OK, thank you very much indeed time there you go Uh, some of the people here Julie mills the principal tom
15: miller director of reed and also the very clean student joanna joining us live here from the milton keynes college the official launch is at nine o'clock and of course this is only one of 10 job shops in the whole of the uk in
4: Justin, excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 four double five five double five. Another 15 minutes of the show. You can call us about that. You can call us about dogs. We can call us about the uh, the reduction in housing benefit, all the things that have got you going this morning. We'll talk more after the
9: travel news with Sophie Tyler at 8.45. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
10: Heading south on the M1, we have reports of queuing traffic and one lane is blocked following a broken down car between Junction 15 at Northampton and the Newport Bagnal services as well. It's uh, blocking lane three, it says say on the sensors. And southbound on the A1 also still queuing following an earlier broken down vehicle between Beagles Way South at London Road and the A1M at Junction 10. All lanes, however, have been reopened, so it looks like it should start to ease up any moment now. And the Barnet Bypass still so southbound as well between uh, Watford Bypass and the Mill Hill Circus. And southbound on the A1 through Roxton also slow at the Great Barford Bypass and uh, southbound again on the A10 through Enfield also slow between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road usual delays on the M25 particularly around 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40 everything else though not looking too bad at all. Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you very much Sophie At 8.46, Wednesday the 27th of March, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Milton Keynes woman says she'd to a loan shark or prostitution because of changes to housing benefit, which she fears will make her homeless. Campaigners at Hitchin Train Station are fighting against cuts to the railways. There'll be other protests at Bedford and Stevenage later on. And in sport, England are second in Group H after drawing their World Cup qualifier one all with leaders Montenegro. Coming up... Lots of you want to have to your say on whether you can ever trust a dog to be left alone with a child. We'll get more of your views before 9am 08459 455555. But before that, here's the weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds,
9: hearts and bucks weather.
20: BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning for most of us. It's another cold and cloudy start to the day with temperatures widely still below freezing. There's also been one or two wintry flurries around here and there. But well, as we go through the afternoon, we are expecting to see some breaks in the cloud for some sunny spells to get through. But it's not going to be a warm day. Again, temperatures only four or five degrees Celsius and still that nagging easterly wind. However, that will have eased back a bit as we go through the afternoon. Overnight, we do it all over again. Whether you've got a bit of cloud cover or any clear sky, it is going to be cold and frosty with temperatures dipping to freezing and just below. So hopefully tomorrow some of that clear sky will be with us to give us some glimpses of sunshine once again. And that will help temperatures perhaps to five or six degrees Celsius, but no further than that, I'm afraid. A largely dry day tomorrow for all of us. And uh, there will be, as I say, hopefully some sunny spells. As we go through the Easter weekend, I'm afraid it's more of the same. Often very cloudy. It's certainly going to be very cold for the time of year. But on the plus side, I suppose, it is going to also be mostly dry that's how it's looking for now
4: thank you wendy
2: Every weekday from three. Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. So There's a sporting story emerging. Paul
21: Buckle
3: has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an
30: application regarding the Primark development.
3: Local talking points. The Hertfordshire
30: Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel.
2: There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We
22: were allowed evacuating topics train and
14: we had to go back to Ratchet. and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget Jonathan Vernon-Smith
4: is on at 9 o'clock. I'm here every weekday from 6 and if you want to get in touch with me at any point, um, maybe to uh, send me threats or or, or primarily if you've got any stories that you think this is probably a slightly better use of the email system any stories you think we should be covering on this show. um, It could be big things, it could be small things. Something that's happening in your house your street, your town, your county Anything that, that, that possibly we've missed or you think we'd be interested in, do send me an email, ian.lee, I-A-I-N, there's the extra I, dot L-E-E at bbc.co.uk, uh, and we'll have a look. And if we think it's good enough, we'll get back in touch. If it's not quite right for this show... And we'll uh, forward it on to one of the other shows. I did, someone emailed me wanted to come on and talk about something last week. And I said, well, it's not really proper for us. But I think, I think it would sit well in Nick Coffer's show and put them in touch. And they were on last week. So send me a, a, an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Now, the story that's um, really uh, dominated your calls this morning about this uh, young lady, Jay Lomas Anderson, 14-year-old girl, mauled to death by uh, four dogs. And I'm, I'm, th- th- two questions have come from it. The first question is, can you trust your dogs with other people? Can you really, 100%? Uh, and also, these dogs are hot, bad. American Bulldog, Staffordshire Bull Terrier, a Bull Mastiff. They're ugly animals. Why would you want them? In your house. Colin's from Luton. Morning, Colin. Morning to C- you. Can Morning you ever you. trust a dog? Uh, no, a dog is a dog. It's a, it's a domesticated wild animal, basically. Um,
36: I've had a dog in my life since the day I was born. I'm 72. But I've never fully trusted a dog. Never, never, never. Um, one dog is fine as a pet. Two are manageable. Once you get past two dogs together, they become a pack. And from there on, the, the the dominant dog takes over, and they'll they'll do what that dog wants it wants them to do. They will attack.
4: And also, there is the the, the thing with with one dog. It, you just don't know. You could tread on its paw. A kid could pull its tail. You don't know. Something could just make it snap, couldn't it? Oh yeah, my son's dog. She's a little Jack
36: Russell bitch. She's lovely, but if I if if I go near her when she's having her food jump, she'll, she'll bite my feet.
4: Hmm. <laughs> You well, know, that, Colin, that, that, stay there Colin, Stay there and listen to Neil from Bedford Neil, you, you disagree, you can trust your dog, can you? I can trust my, I,
37: I personally I will trust my dog with my children, but I wouldn't put my dog in a room with somebody else's children Why not? my dog knows my children uh, um, uh, How old are your kids? I've got four kids Eldest is 12 uh, I've, got, yeah, I've got a 12, a 9 year old
4: a six-year-old and a newborn baby. Okay, fine, yeah. Uh, and you would, Neil, you would, you, okay. would, you would trust your dog with the newborn baby, would you? Implicitly. You'd leave your dog yeah. in... What, what dog have you got? I've got an American Bulldog. And you'd leave that in the room with the baby? The dog doesn't want to be anywhere other than by the baby's side. And that doesn't worry you? No. Colin, what do if you make tr- of that? If, if, if my children are outside playing, my dog's on the patio watching the children. Yeah, I bet. Colin, what, what, what do you make of that?
36: I think he's taken his child's life in his own hands. Uh, a, a, a dog, quite frankly, um, can turn at any moment. You, could, you, you can upset a dog quite easily. As I was said, uh, my son's dog, uh, you've only got to go near her when she's eating and she'll bite your feet. Um, I, I've got a Jack Russell; she's 16, but I've, I've watched her nip, a, nip at a child when I've been with her. And, and she's, she's well-trained, and
37: basically she's a softie, but you can't trust my- my, chi- my children, my children can all walk up to the dog and take food out of the mouth. You've been very lucky, extremely lucky. That's all I can say. Very, very lucky indeed. I've, uh, had, my uh, dog, uh, I've had my dog from six weeks old, and I've
8: trained yeah, my dog. Yeah, sure. I, I, can I mean, walk her without a lead.
37: Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I tell her when I tell her to?
36: I'm sure. I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure that's the case. But there'll come a time when that dog will turn. Perhaps you know.
4: Well, Neil, I, I certainly hope it doesn't. Neil, listen, of course, I, I certainly hope it doesn't. But, you, Neil, you, you just... The thing is with dogs is you yeah. just don't know. There is that wild part in their brains that you can't get rid if of. If you've got more, like your caller said, if you've got more than one dog, you're asking
37: for trouble. Because you are instant- you are letting a pack run wild in your house. If you've got one dog, that dog <laughs> knows its place in the family, you, you give it the bottom run of the ladder, and you make sure it knows... That those children come before that dog. It knows its place and there's no questions. Colin? Yeah, 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 yes, he's got a point. He's got a point.
36: You've got to try hard. You've got to turn it up. You've But you've got to watch it all the time.
4: OK, Colin uh, from Newton, Neil from Bedford. Thank you. I must admit, uh, I'm feeling a little bit anxious at the thought of an American bulldog being left alone in a room with a baby. Anybody, does that make anybody else feel uncomfortable? Not, not in any way judging Neil from Bedford. I, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's up to him. But does anybody else feel uncomfortable at the thought of that? An American Bulldog, I'm looking at a picture on now, they're big things. In a room on its own with a baby. 08459 oh, double five five double five. days from Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Dave. Morning. Did that fill you with fear a little bit? Uh, not really. I mean, it's all about the responsible owner. Um, Is it it responsible to leave an American um, bulldog in a room with a baby? I don't think it's responsible to leave any dog in
22: a room with a baby. They are a wild animal, let's be fair. Mm. They're 99% wolf, aren't they, or something like that. Um, I love my dog. My dog isn't vicious. It's lovely. It's a little staffy. Um, I wouldn't leave him with a a kid. When we have kids, I won't be leaving him in the same room. I trust him 100% but it's down to the owner. I feel very sorry for the, the young lady that's lost her life. Um, I'd like to know more about the story. They say the dogs were, you know, out of control. I'm sure they're probably overexcited.
4: I, I mean, it is a very sad story. It's, it's very sad. Yeah, it's we're, very we're, sad. We're, we're, we'll find out more about that throughout the day. But, but I
22: mean, like, <laughs> a, pack of, a pack of dogs killing somebody or a pack of kids killing somebody. Do you know what I mean? It's all about responsible people, which, you know, you take the knives and guns away from the young lot they're going to pick something
4: else, a dog. You know? do, you, do you agree, Dave, that there are some people that do have these, these Staffordshire Bull Terriers and these Bull Mastiffs, uh, and they have them perhaps for the wrong reasons, that, that, yeah, exactly. that it's a status symbol and it's an extension of their tiny winky? Well,
22: I mean, you, you referred to people wearing tracksuit bottoms and stuff like that with their dogs, but, like, I walk my dog in tracksuit bottoms because oh. I don't want to get filthy dirty. You right. know, It's not a fashion statement. It's what you wear when you take your dog for a walk.
4: Well, maybe Um, you're one of those people I'm referring to then.
22: Well, no, totally not. I I mean, I agree with you. There are people out there that shouldn't have dogs. It's unfair to blame it on a particular breed because it's how it's brought up and the responsible owner should, you know. I had a, a police trainer around my house when I got my staff, and, um the dog reacting straight away to him. Dave, you know I mean? Dave he,
4: say hello to Joe from Letchworth. Joe, what, what, what's your take on, on Dave and these people that own Staffies? Uh,
3: well, I think that Dave's uh, actually sounds like one of the more sensible ones, to be honest. Um,
4: he does, doesn't he? Yes.
3: But I do... I, I think is, I, I think I might disagree with him a little bit, but well, especially when it comes to the breaks, I... I it's to breed itself. I mean, everything we've heard about these dogs, okay, and I I'm, 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 I'm am I'm, I'm an, I'm an animal lover. I do love all sorts of animals, dogs, cats, the works. But all the attacks that we're hearing about and all the bad press we're getting about it seems to be these so-called status dogs. Um, the, the the bull mastiffs, the, the, uh, the pit bulls, all those sorts of things. All the Staffordshire Terriers, those. It, it, we don't seem to be hearing that about Labradors and Jack Russells and, and things like that. It only seems to be about these type of dogs. So. I think, think it is, is what it is. The breed. It's what the public want you to. It's what the, the
22: press want you to read. You know. Yeah, I know. But tell you the, the 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 dogs are. You know, I've been bitten by Jack Russell. I've been bitten by a, a collie. But fact, I, I my, don't. My th- was attacked by a Dave, collie. Dave,
8: I, I,
4: I don't. I, yes. I don't think there have been any stories of teenage girls being mauled to death by Jack Russells. Whereas th- th- that's why we're talking about these dogs because these dogs have killed a fourteen-year-old schoolgirl. <laughs>
3: I think it's a mixture of both. If I'm if I'm if I'm honest, I think, as like Dave says, it is about the, the 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 owner taking responsibility, and that is a major problem. But also, it's it's got to, it's it, Everything seems to be pointing towards it's sort of half of the owners not bringing them up right, and also having the having a dog. I mean, what what are these dogs designed to do, Dave? I mean. You've got a bit that these dogs are genetically bred, have been bred for one thing, to, to kill.
4: Listen, Joe, I'm going to stop you there, Dave. Thank you very much. i just just stopping because I've got a minute left and I want to squeeze Mary and Hamelin. Good morning, Mary.
33: Good morning, Ian. I've had uh, terriers, both English and Staffies, for over 40 years. I'm I'm on my last one now because I feel I'll be too old to have another one. I've never had a problem. My children have grown up with them. And the trouble is, people seem to think as soon as they see you like a little beefy dog, it's a staffy. Everything now is a staffy, and it's not necessarily anything to do with being a staffy.
4: Would you, what you, were you, were you? We heard a caller earlier on saying he would leave his big dog in a room alone with his baby. How did that make you feel? That, that sent shivers down my spine, Mary.
33: Well, quite frankly. I've, I've done it myself Oh, I've had my bull terriers in with my children One of them, when admittedly the, my youngest son was older Then he was about 12 One of them even used to sleep in the bed with him Oh
4: dear, well listen Mary, we have to end it there Thank you very much Coming up after 9 o'clock JVS is, uh, is running with this and asking Should people be limited to one dog? We've been hearing this morning about how Possibly packs of dogs are the, the problems so, JVS, should people be limited to one dog?
9: Before that, let's get the travel with Sophie Heads, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio
10: heading south on the A1 still queuing at the moment following an earlier broken down vehicle between the a 601 that's London Road at Beagles Wade South and the A1M at Junction 10 all lanes have been reopened however also still looking busy way would expect the A1 Great North Road southbound through Roxton busy at the Black Cat Roundabout and the Barnet Bypass heading south also slow between the Watford the Bypass and Mill Hill Circus now southbound on the M1 it is queuing to Newport Pagnell Services and Junction 14 at Milton Keynes and also anti-clockwise on the M25 heavy between 27 and at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield, with more delays between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Now on the trains, not looking too bad at the moment, no major problems to update you with. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Thank you, Sophie. Well, there we go, we made it to another show. Thank you to everyone who took part. Thank you to Justin, shooting all over the Three Counties. I'll be back tomorrow at six o'clock. Coming up next, though, it's the excellent JVS. Until tomorrow, ta-ta.
2: Beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith.
9: Today it's the big story that all of you want to talk about. Dog attacks very much in the news.